So, yeah, so what are, what are we up to? Well, um, <laughs> I'm not sure how to start this one. Uh, well, our, our, our idea initially was that we were going to do um, uh, a Christmas episode, uh, all to yeah. do with the, the various um, spooky sorts of things and just, you know... Uh, Festive no, grimness. Like, yes, festive <laughs> grimness. Festive grimness, of which there's, of which there's quite a lot. And there um, is quite a lot, going right yeah, back the, to, to the beginning. There's quite a lot, quite a lot of grim, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> from the off. <laughs> well, well, how about this? All right. Well, the season is upon us. The season mm-hmm. of uh, the birth of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah. And also the season of lots of spooky ghosts for yeah. some reason. It is well, there is an is association. It. There is an association between Christmas and spookiness, although I don't know if it's that might be an English thing, you know. That might be a British tradition. The the kind of Christmas ghost story. I'm not sure if it's as prevalent out here in the States. Hmm. Well I suppose in Britain, um and well actually in this case all over in this an example, I guess most people trace it back to um, to a Christmas Carol to yeah. to, to Dickens. Um, yeah, and some people would say, well, he, you know, that that's that's where the tradition comes from. But then um, Dickens and other things has made reference to to that being the case when he was uh, a child. That you know, yeah. a ghost story would be told. Yeah, he I was pulling that, pulling from something or other. Yeah, so it may, it may yeah. that that may be what I guess popularized it. Um, maybe. Well, I said that doesn't. Well, I, I guess he the, kind of put it in print and you know and everything that led out from that. But it, I think it was in existence beforehand. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pagan holiday to begin with, right? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it was sort of co-opted from the pagan. Uh, what Saturnalia is—is is that what yes, they were the, calling the, it? The, the the winter the winter solstice. Winter solstice, and, yeah, and they you know the pagans they were always creepy. They're always yeah, they're, and they continue always... to be yeah they they continue to be from everything I've learned about pagans, which is exclusively from horror movies. Um, <laughs> they all live on islands and get naked and shag a lot, and then sacrifice someone usually. Usually, yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're obsessed with willies and bums and yeah. And I was murder. thinking about that actually, because because that because I was thinking that, like of the kind of spooky stuff that, that you would um, maybe feel compelled uh, to turn to at this time of year. I guess the the maybe because of the tradition of the BBC uh, Christmas ghost stories, mm. which tend which to we'll be, be about. We'll be getting onto those. We will get onto those, yeah. um, but just they, they tend to be about something from uh, from from a long time ago appearing in the present. Mm. That's you know, right. So, um, and I guess the, so. In that way, this kind of folk horror stuff feels like appropriate to this t- 
time of year. Yeah, yeah, maybe Even, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, something from antiquity coming to remind us. I mean, uh, often, I mean, if there is a theme to a lot of the Christmas horrors, it tends to be uh, a lot about punishment. Um, yes. There seems to be a bit of a, a theme of, I mean, yeah, even with A Christmas Carol, it's uh, Ebenezer Scrooge sort of, I suppose, not being punished exactly, but being made aware of his um, transgressions and his yeah. poor attitude. <laughs> and warned and, about what will happen. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess the uh, the ghosts of Christmas present in A Christmas Carol is pretty paganish. He's got a lot of uh, vines and holly around him, or something. Yes. Uh, and um, is yeah. he what one? Oh no, it's the. It's, I was, I was, I was thinking of what one had the two, but that's the two children. But that's the the last one. That's isn't it? Isn't that Christmas Ye- future? <sighs> now you and see, they've got names. It's like it's like famine and <laughs> famine and uh, yeah. I think that's actually in present. You know, I think uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present shows them these two children with the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, which isn't in the Muppet Christmas Carol, so therefore it, it, it's basically not canonical as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, if it's not in the right, Muppet Christmas does Carol. It does have that pagan sort of look, uh, almost like the Green Man, you know. The, the yeah, 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 and I think that's uh, I, I think that's well acknowledged. Or I might just be making it up entirely. But that, again, in the Muppets Christmas Carol, uh, it looks a bit pagan to me. Yeah, so, and, and also in the um, the one with uh, with George C. Scott, which is the one I saw mm. most as a youngster. Uh, yeah, if I remember, he's got like the holly crown or the yeah. Sure that's there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I reread the book last year, and uh, I think it's I think it's mentioned that yeah, yeah that he looks a bit looks a bit wicker manny. Yeah, even though, yeah. Uh, but then I was thinking, well, does a wicker man feel like a? And I haven't checked yet if it does, but I mean, I mean, the the guy's called Summer Isle, so you, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, so maybe yeah, not, the wicker man's it, all all about spring, isn't it? Yeah, um, no Christmas in that. Although no, is, he, it. is he singing Christmas hymns in the church? No, he's not. At the beginning, no, he's just singing his Sunday hymns. Yes, and I, I've only seen that opening maybe once when I when I first got the DVD back in the day, which had the director's the, cut the on. The extended version, yeah. I only watched that once, I think. Um, oh, really? You prefer the other one? I, the... I think so. In some ways, I do. I I, I like that he just kind of. Um, He's just there. He's just appearing on the island, and and that's it. Uh, uh, yeah. But saying that, I, I have never seen the so-called um, final cut, but I do have it. So so I might. That might be yeah. a thing to do to look at soon. I don't um, remember which one's which, but I'm pretty sure I've seen them all. I know, especially streaming services really kind of confuses this now because you flip something on and you're not ever quite sure which version you're, yeah, you're getting. Yeah. So then. Yeah, then it kind of confuses. I just learned recently, living out in the US, um, that their version of Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, and this is a tangent, because there's no Christmas in that, um, is notably shorter than our one. Oh, really? Uh, significantly. Entire cameos, like Christian Slater's cameo is completely gone, uh, you know, with him being brainwashed. Yeah. Uh, all of the, the running gag about henchmen's families... You yeah. know, with the, the henchmen die, and then you see their yeah, families that's, that's being told. Yeah, that's one of the best bits. <laughs> gone. Completely gone. That wow. whole subplot is gone. Yeah. It's a shame. 
Um, and Bizarre. also, the U.S. have, uh, as we all know, they've waged a war on Christmas, um, so there, there is no Christmas here. It's, it's no. gone. It's been it's, it's been shortened. <laughs> it's been excised. It's, it's been whipped away by yeah, um, yeah by by. <laughs> it's because uh, uh, like because um, at this time of the year you always well around these parts you tend to hear a lot about how Christmas is is gone from us mm. because it would <laughs> because it lost oh, from somebody yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all <laughs> you hear all, yeah yeah you turn on the radio and you're either hearing a Christmas song explicitly mm. about Christmas or you're hearing someone saying how you never hear Christmas stuff talked about anymore <laughs> that's it <laughs> yeah. That pretty much sums up the season. Another thing that sums up the season in the UK especially, which has spread, because I'm seeing it being kind of shared around on US websites too, is the the UK is guaranteed without fail every year to have at least one kind of pop-up Winter Wonderland attraction that is so shit that it's forced to close within days of opening with a bunch of indignant uh, family, you know, parents complaining about the quality of... Uh, you know, reindeers that look emaciated. I think one of them promised reindeers, and it just had dogs with reindeer antlers on yes. in a in a kind of little paddock. Yeah, um, and you know, a, a very skinny Santa Claus with a with a horrible fake beard. Um, <laughs> yeah, you get it every single year. There was one last year. I was pleased to see. I'm glad that we're keeping that tradition up. Yeah, charging just far too much for something that's really crap. A tenor to walk into a um, a bunker that has a sort of Rooster with a <laughs> sort of Rudolph nose <laughs> tape to the side of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's fantastic. But anyway, so we do that in England, and we also do ghost stories. I don't think we really do that out here so much. I, I don't think it's something that's associated with Christmas here, mm. even though it's in the song, the most wonderful time of year. At one point, he says there'll be scary ghost stories, and oh, really? Something I never, else. I never yeah. Up on that. yeah, it's in there. So obviously it was, but now it's gone, and now it's all, you know, mostly quite saccharine. Um, yeah, saccharine feel-good family movies, Lifetime movies. I mean, honestly, the Lifetime Christmas movies belong on the Grimmer Comforts podcast because <laughs> they they are remarkably grim. Um, so does uh, Tyler Perry's Medea's Christmas, which I don't know. If, have you seen that? I, no, I don't think so. Ooh, <laughs> it's quite something. What are we dealing I've, with? Well, I've never felt. You know, sometimes, sometimes you watch something popular that, well, that something that everyone else likes, and you go, "I cannot figure out why they like this." But you sort of know, you know why. You're just sort of aghast because you're like, "Oh, the, the reaction this gives me is not the same as mm. is given to everyone else." Like, um, like The Hangover for me is an example of being yes. sat in a cinema not understanding at all why everyone's finding it so funny but mm. um, a Medea's Family Christmas I, I think it's called a very Medea Christmas or something like that right um, that just made me think I don't understand this like th- this may as well have been made by an alien to me mm-hmm. it's, it's completely it's just wild it's just wild, but you know it's a bit. It's got like Larry the Cable guys in it. Um, <laughs> Chad Chad Michael Murray of One Tree Hill is in it too. Uh, so, and it's doing this strange thing where it's trying to like it, it, it's aimed at the South. I think I, I think it's like it's set in Alabama, and obviously bringing someone like Larry the Cable guy in um, is it, it, trying to appeal to a certain a certain demographic. 
And then obviously Tyler Perry's movies in general appeal to the black community and again, probably the South, or at least the Midwest. Um, I don't think his target audiences are in, in the coastal cities, but um, it's, it, it, it's fascinatingly bizarre. It, it, it involves Tyler Perry as Medea uh, tying, uh, crucifying a, a school child with Christmas lights to a cross, to a big cross. Yeah. Anyway. He's, um, he's got his seasons in a, in a jumble. He's got his holidays wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's really strange at one point. It's, it's a Christmas movie, but at one point, for whatever convoluted reason, Medea, his titular character, is um, teaching a class in the schoolhouse, and suddenly in the schoolhouse there's a big cross there in the right. classroom. And I'm like, that wasn't there at the beginning. But it, but it's here now, and I'm like, well, that's really weird. Why have they done that? And then, sure enough, it's just so that this scene can happen where he strings up a schoolgirl to this cross and crucifies her. <laughs> Merry Christmas, well, that, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That actually, that, that's actually something I was thinking about. Um, I don't know when it happened, but at some point, the nativity stuff itself um, started to drift away from Christmas for me. Um, oh, well, that, well, that's so that, that, that war of, on Christmas for you. Well, this is the thing. Can't I mean, talk I, about I, Jesus, I, can you? No, uh, not if you're some sort of um, <laughs> pansy fucking, uh, you know, yeah, cock-ass, woke flake pinko. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about room in the inn. I just want to know, is there room in this year's department store Christmas <laughs> marketing for a few more minority groups or a, a, a couple more same-sex Santas? Um, so, so, of course, well, I don't know, think... I hear they're making the turkeys halal now. <laughs> yeah. Slitting their throats and hanging them upside down. Yeah. Yeah. It's inhumane. It's much better yeah. the way they did, where they used to just <laughs> boil them in a huge vat of their fellow turkeys' fats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're all you know all the all the programs are in halal as well, as far as I hear. You're singing halal Christmas songs now. <laughs> and these standards is in braille. Uh, <laughs> you know, they started saying Alleluia instead of uh, Hallelujah. Now it's all about Allah. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, the English though we're <laughs> we're good at we're good at a ghost story. We like it. Um, yes, I, I think so, yeah, the US so, the US equivalent of Christmas horror is to do like there's this new one out now, Violent Night. I think it's called. I don't know if I that's... only heard of that yesterday, but but yeah. Oh, you can't move for a violent night out here. It's all over because it's one of those sort of B-movie-esque Christmas mm-hmm. horrors where it's like, lol, Santa, Santa's kicking ass or lol, Santa's yeah. violent. And, and they've done that before. There, there were some low-budget movies. Uh, I think there was one called A Christmas Horror Story. Or oh, the like one that. with Krampus versus Santa. Krampus versus Santa, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they come out. But now... Universal Studios, uh, arguably one of the biggest, well, the biggest movie studio in the US, I think, has done one of their own called Violent Night with mm. Santa sort of being violent. But this, yeah, that's no, the US, the closest the US gets to Christmas horror, I think. Well, the US, the US has a has a has a quite a a difficult relationship with that sort of stuff because um, uh, so one of the the big sort of things in the 1980s was um, Silent Night, Deadly Night, which, again, I mean, that was hugely controversial. Um, Mm. You know, uh, advertising was pulled and uh, 
the film was removed from from theaters quite quickly. Uh, it was a, a whole brouhaha because Christmas because, Christmas slashers were we're talking yeah. about, right? Like so, uh, Black Christmas would also count. Black Christmas, yeah, which um, um. it's it's kind of well, obviously, I mean, Halloween uh, happened in some way because of Black Christmas, but um, it those two managed to do the thing that very few others do, which is they're about a particular season or holiday and they feel like they're of that. So Halloween mm. feels like Halloween and Black Christmas feels like Christmas, but they're also both genuinely creepy and unsettling and eerie um, in a way that very few other films like that are. Um, but yeah, Black Christmas, uh, I mean, I... I, I it's it's I haven't it's a wee while since I've seen it, but um, it's a very long time since I've seen it, so I yeah I can't talk about it very much. But no, um, it does have the the whole um, you know the, if I remember correctly the 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 guy at the start he, he climbs into the sorority house whatever mm-hmm. and he hides in the attic. Um, so it has that sort of uh, you know the killer is inside the house. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that. Predates when a stranger calls. Um, Ooh, good question. Probably not. Probably not. But um, well, it was seventy four, I think. Black Christmas. Um, was it that early? Yeah, I thought um, it was closer to the eighties, but maybe not. It was seventy four or seventy six. One of the two. Okay. I think it was seventy four. Um, it was a uh, Bob Clark of uh, uh, Porky's fame. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, oh. and also he did. Um, uh, what do you call it? Murder by decree. The one, the Sherlock Holmes versus oh, Jack the yeah. Ripper number. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. I remember yeah, that being quite good. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I taught a, a, a module on um, on London and film. Mm. Uh, it's it kind of a summer school thing where international students would would come for a, 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 maybe a month uh, to do that course, um, and that was one of the things that. that at one point, one year, uh, we showed showed to them um, was murder by decree, and yeah, it's 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 wonderful. It's it's um, it's it ticks all the boxes. That it, it's it's got the right kind of uh, the kind of London that people who would maybe think of Sherlock Holmes or Jack the Ripper would think of. It, it does that really well. That kind of and I guess so does Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes film, but this does it in a way mm. that feels more, um, less CGI, I suppose, is, it, right. is what I'm getting. <laughs> Actually, that, that, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm tailing off. But, but uh, it's not about Christmas. It's not about Christmas, no. Um, no we're joining the tradition of not, not mentioning Christmas at Christmas time. Yeah. Oh, I heard these lads, they're doing a Christmas podcast. But all they're doing <laughs> is talking about Jack the Ripper and a laugh. <laughs> yeah. The holidays yeah, so, so, instead so of I the think... holidays. <laughs> holidays, yeah. <laughs> but you shouldn't say holidays. Anyway, it's Christmas. It's bloody Christmas. Christmas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, well, yeah. yeah so, so as so. far as Christmas horrors, horrors go in the US, it does tend to, it tends to lean more towards slashers or otherwise comedy violence. At Christmas mm-hmm. time, um, whereas the we we like a good ghost a good ghost story, I think we do. Um, and the other thing is the other difference, I think, if uh, my hunch is that 
in the US, the Christmas horror tends to be set now. It's something that's happening yes. in the yeah. present. Whereas here um, in the UK, with the you know the ghost stories for Christmas on the BBC and whatnot, it's always mm. it tends to be period stuff, uh, and the yeah. stuff that isn't tends to not go down so well. Um, mm. Which well, is I suppose I, I suppose the Christmas ghost stories. So so to give a brief explanation of what those are in the UK, and starting in the well, a ghost story for Christmas technically started in the seventies, I think, but then some of the omnibus ones yes. from before that are retroactively kind of included. So Whistle and I'll Come to You was Whistle probably the first, you, yeah. right? And that yeah. was technically omnibus, but yeah, an adaptation of an M.R. James story, not set at Christmas time. Not, no. uh, nothing to do with Christmas in it, but somehow it feels distinctly Christmassy because it was... Actually, I'm not even sure if that was released at Christmas time, that one. I I'm know the later sure ones either. were. Um, yeah, well, anyway, it's retroactively been included. Um, mm-hmm. So you have, yeah, adaptations mostly of M.R. James stories, like, um, so Whistle and I'll Come to You is one, Lost Hearts, uh, yeah. another. Um, a warning to the Curious. Warning to the Curious. But then also The Signalman, which is a, another Charles Dickens adaptation. Yeah. Um, and then there were a few more. Schlack and the Painter, which That's right, yeah. is yeah. Uh, Sheridan Lefanu, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have a few. Um and now I think of it, I don't think any of them are set at Christmas time. I don't think so. No, no. But they feel distinctly Christmassy, and yeah, usually involve someone stumbling upon something from antiquity or something otherwise spooky and supernatural, and yeah. not quite knowing what to do with themselves over it. Um, I, what do you think of those, by the way? Are you a fan of them? Uh, broadly, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, there are some uh, that maybe don't work as well, but um, a couple of clunkers. Yeah, but but on the whole, I mean, um, uh, "Whistle Till I Come to You" I think is is wonderful. Um, it's really it's, good. Yeah, it's spooky. Um, it is spooky, and <laughs> it's one of those things like because um, because um, that was uh, directed by Jonathan Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right um, who who does not have any sort of belief in the supernatural and so it was one of those mm. things like almost like like the exorcist where they say well it feels like it does because um, because the person who directed it you know is coming at it from a sort of agnostic slash atheistic sort of perspective and um, they don't they don't believe in this stuff but but you, you watch it and you think like, well, you know, if they did, I don't think this would have turned out much different. No. <laughs> it's like well, it plays all of those Mr. James. I think I'm not sure if Mr. James himself was an atheist. I think he might have been, or actually, no, I'm maybe not, not. He was actually pretty traditional. I think so. He, might he was, have, yeah, might um, have been COV. But his, um, but he was an academic, so all of his stories tend to involve some kind of academic. A rational-minded person stumbling mm-hmm. upon something that they can't explain. Yeah. Um, and again, it also feels punishing too. It's uh, sort of admonishing them for their arrogance, usually. Yeah, it's uh, it's essentially so, sort of tree of knowledge stuff, isn't it? It's like, yeah. um, you know, you, you don't... But then again, the, the tree of knowledge, that involved... Um, uh, or sorry, the knowledge of good and evil. That, that you know, Eve made the decision to reach for that. Whereas mm. in something like Whistle and I'll Come to You, 
doesn't there's not really any decision making it just it kicks it up by accident <laughs> yeah so so whistle i'll come to you is a an old professor um who goes to the uh, the east anglian seaside yeah. for for a little holiday and he's played really well by michael horden who gives it this kind of strange bumbling <laughs> he, he barely he barely says any words he, he sort of he makes noises to himself yeah. goes, oh, a bit like mr bean um, yeah, and he's yeah. and he and he's very antisocial, uh, and so he goes to this uh, bed and breakfast, I suppose, and just sort of, <laughs> even though it's, I mean, these are short films; these are mm-hmm. 40, 40 odd minutes, if that. Um, and he, there, are, there are multiple scenes of him having breakfast or being in the in the dining room and it, ignoring people, but sort of going. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, egg. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's right. Yeah, but the story is he goes for these strolls, uh, and I think he might be, is he a professor of archaeology or just interested in it, perhaps? He's, he's, he's some sort of, uh, he, he might be. Uh, if I remember right, he's there for some reason. Oh, is not he? To, or maybe not, maybe he is just on holiday, but... <laughs> in any case, when he he ends up kick, or coming across this uh, ancient flute, um, and if I remember correctly, the reason why that attracts him is because, as you say, it's it's somehow connected to the work he does as an academic. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, so so he finds the this thing. Yeah, so all these lovely bits of him walking down the beach, sort of mumbling to himself, "Oh, sand." <laughs> and uh, the, yeah, he stumbles upon this whistle, uh, brings it back to his house, and he, he sort of polishes it off. And I think it says in Latin, I want to say, uh, he translates it to "Who is that? Who is coming?" or something like that. That's that's right. Yeah, that's that's. Oh God, that's giving me shivers. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that's an eerie old collection of words. Yeah, <laughs> who is who is it? Who is who is that? Who is coming? Or something like that. Uh, and, and obviously, he gives it a little whistle <laughs> noise, and uh, yeah, and then almost immediately, he's, he's played by dreams of him running down the down the beach, being chased mm-hmm. by uh, <laughs> by a bit of a bit of cloth. But that, yeah, that, that tablecloth <laughs> from Amityville too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say that, or the uh, or the plastic bag from American Beauty, um, which. Uh, it's really different because I've shown this to a few people. I saw this. I, I'd heard about it. Obviously, I was far, I wasn't born when this was airing, um, but I'd heard about it on the, uh, on the internet in various places. Mm-hmm. And people were talking about how terrifying it was. And I watched it by myself very late at night, uh, not at Christmas time, mind you. Um, and it really, really creeped me out. But since then, I've tried to show it to other people, and they've kind of found it a bit silly because. It, yeah, it is a bit of cloth, sort of. Yeah, running after him. Um, but yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> the thing. I suppose it's it's kind of like the Lovecraft thing, like um, like Mr. James. That the, I don't know if we should necessarily spoil it because it's some, but there's Actually, something yeah, that happens. Good idea. Yeah, there's maybe something we that happens at the end <laughs> that um that Mr. James would have written in a way to suggest that. Well, actually, he does describe it fairly. But the, the description works in a way that seeing it maybe does not quite work. 
I said, yeah, so, wait, I think it does work, though. I, I think it's just you have to be, you have to sort of be aware of what you're getting, you know, well, what yeah. you're getting into. You're not going to get something that's going to insidious scare you, you know? It's no. going to be, I mean, it, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> a, a bit, <sighs> yeah, it I don't works know, for me. that ending and, does look a bit odd, but. Um, I'm just thinking of people who, you know, that you might be introducing it to now um, mm. and why they might find that a wee bit silly but I, I didn't necessarily find it silly um no. I maybe th- it felt a bit weird yeah but and that and that that's I think what got to me was it was like, oh yeah you're not used to seeing that kind of thing in mm. other horror movies um because well certainly now they would look at that and go well yeah that that's a bit deaf but then again there is that bit in the conjuring where the bit of laundry flies off and that's right the, yeah. the sheet <laughs> flies off and hits a an invisible figure and turns into a, a spooky a spooky ghost. Yeah, and there's also so, and and everyone thought that was terrifying. So fair enough, you know, maybe maybe there is something to this whistle and I'll come to you, cloth based horror. <laughs> cloth. <laughs> yeah, cloth. Well, there's a thing that or a, a a cloth or a sheet scare that I did think worked really well was in um, a Paranormal Activity three when there's a there's a section or. A, sequence where they they set the camera on a sort of on a on a ceiling fan i think it is but mm. they set it on the table so it's kind of drifting back and forward back and forward and of course at one point it just passed in this sheet is standing <laughs> and, and then it just passed again and it's either closer or it's not there at all but but it worked it was it it was a, a rare example of the um the ghost that is just a sheet a sheet yeah well working. scooby-doo has quite a lot of it as well, <laughs> yeah. to varying degrees of effect of effectiveness. But um, yeah, okay, so whistle I'll come to you is a, is a staunch recommendation. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's really what we're doing is giving some recommendations of some nice Christmas things, <laughs> nice Christmas yeah. horror. Even though, like I say, that none of the ghost stories for Christmas are set at Christmas time. They no. feel distinctively Christmassy to me somehow. But same here. Yeah, and and I suppose they were written for Christmas initially. Um, yeah. So that was the thing. Mr. James would um, would come up with these uh, stories to, um, and then they'd sort of he'd, he'd, he'd have people over, students and colleagues and whatever mm. else of Christmas time, roughly, uh, and he would then tell them these spooky tales. Yeah. Um, uh, and again, that's you know going back to 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 Charles Dickens and also to Charles Dickens things he said about um, growing up and, and hearing these stories. Like, I, I seem to remember um, hearing about um, Dickens' mother uh, being concerned that the nurse who would look after him as a youngster would tell him stories. Um, and it was like she didn't want... It, it, it was like... Um, it might have been a sort of aspirational sort of thing because that was associated with... Um, you know, with people of lower intelligence, and 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 there, there was that kind of class issue at work, um, and then Dickens had to turn to uh, Penny Dreadfuls and things like this to get his fix. Um, <laughs> there was so so then that that carries through, I suppose, to to Mr. James. Um, but again, why you know the, why why Christmas? Um, it's it's cold and spooky. You know, it's cold and spooky. Yeah, I, I think it might. Yeah, may not, and and generally you you tend to have uh, groups of people assembling together. Uh, so 
perfect place to be telling stories by a fire. Much yeah. like much like we do here by our fire. By our fire, yeah, of course. Yeah. And Talk about that's the other thing as well. Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, or oh, what is it? Is it the signal man where it is the signal man where he's talking about um he was looking into the fire and he started hearing these voices. Uh, it's, it's that that kind of thing. Um, yeah, because that was also a, another adaptation. But I, also, I per, just perhaps um, perhaps Halloween wasn't quite as uh, popular as it is now. So maybe there wasn't really a dedicated time of year to celebrate spooky stuff, unless you were well, possibly a, some kind of pr- practicing pagan, I suppose. Just well, over here, pagans, we're, uh, or what, what, when when I was growing up in pagan. Ireland, uh, we did make a pretty big deal of Halloween. Um, so there's a park over there. Um, I, I mean, back, be- in the, back in the 1800s, though. Back in the 1800s, yeah, yeah I guess yeah. so. Yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, didn't, I mean, they weren't too keen in England of, uh, of encouraging the Irish to remember very much about Ireland. <laughs> so, yeah. so Halloween was kind of out of, out of the question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I know that I always like I always assumed Halloween was a was a big thing everywhere, um, mm-hmm. and it was only when I moved to England that I heard people saying, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't a thing. It, it certainly, people who um, had grown up in the eighties, seventies, uh, you know, they, they they seemed to think it was some sort of um, American thing that we'd adopted, um, mm. which was was strange to me because, I, as I said, we had bonfires and. Um, it's almost become politicized now in Ireland. Uh, so areas that are more nationalist, with more of a leaning towards a united Ireland, have massive Halloween parades. And I mean, the one in in Derry, London Derry, is one of the biggest. You know, it's talked about all over the world. Um, and areas that aren't areas that want to remain with the UK, they've kind of stepped away from it, like almost oh, as if that's okay. a, that's a that's a that's an IRA holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween co-opted by the IRA. Oh God, you can't even can't even mention <laughs> Halloween now without getting blown up. I would love it if there were some equally indignant. You know, I mean, we're continually making fun of the people who complain about the war on Christmas, right? But it would be nice if there were some people who were equally indignant about Halloween being uh, taken away from them. Yeah, uh, and you can't even say well, Pergus knocked anymore without. Someone coming along and throwing a pumpkin at you. <laughs> he was in cells for fourteen days for listening to Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even pronounce that way properly because they don't have they don't have the W sound in their alphabet. <laughs> Sam um, who? <laughs> Sam who? Sam Hain. Uh, anyway, but yeah, that maybe that's the reason why uh, ghost stories became associated with Christmas. Though, if we didn't really have a maybe a dedicated, I'm not sure about the history of it, but maybe we didn't have a well, the normal people didn't have a dedicated time of year to be telling spooky stories. So maybe Christmas was as good a time as any. Good time as any, yeah. Back in the back and in the 1800s, anyway. Yeah, and it, it has that thing, um, you know, whether the MRGMs stories being read at the time or or on tv um that as you say that that there's a sense of a com- it's weird it's, it's like there has for me anyway it feels like there needs to be a sort of sense of a communal experience of some sort hmm. um so you know it's mr james talking to people gathered in the in the gloom sort of um rather than 
you know, MRGMs going around the individual houses <laughs> and telling a story to them at different times when it's convenient. Um, oh, they must have hated so there was that. There's a sense of that MR James visit every year. <laughs> Three knots on the door. Oh no, here he is. What's it going to be about this time? A haunted, a haunted napkin, I expect. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so I guess the the, the TV adaptations uh, at the time anyway were were doing the same thing because. When they would have gone out, I mean, everyone would be watching. Yeah, um, yeah. and I suppose yeah, uh, well, that and that's kept up in. Um, so, some one of the things I've got written down as a uh, recommendation is the Woman in Black, the either the, the book yeah. or I'm not sure if the I know Daniel Radcliffe's the Harry Potter film adaptation of it doesn't involve Christmas at all, but. In the book and the stage play, and I'm not sure about the 1989 version, but in the book and the stage play, the framing device of it is him That's having right, grown yeah. up, telling his story of, of this haunting that has followed him throughout his life. That's right. Um, he's like, at Christmas or something, isn't he? And he's like, yeah. he says that they're in there telling stories and he's going to... Yeah, isn't they're, that they're all telling ghost stories and he decides to go and go and tell his one at Christmas mm-hmm. time. Uh, yeah, um, so that so that's obviously harkening back to that tradition as well, uh, and that's very good. If you are lucky enough to to be in London around Christmas time, um, definitely go and see the Woman in Black. There's nothing more Christmassy than that to me. Yes, I didn't see it at Christmas, I don't think, but but yeah, I mean that that's that's something, all right. Uh, that's, mm. And I, I I don't remember either if the if the TV adaptation starts. The same as the same way as the book. I, I, I don't think it has the framing device, does. so no, it may it may not have Christmas in it at all. But the stage version certainly does. It's him actually mm-hmm. working with a with an actor, trying to figure out a way to deliver a, a performance of his a dramatization right. of yeah. his uh, of his haunting. Um, the stage play is really scary. I think. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, think a stage play could be as scary as it is, but it is. Uh, so, no good to any of you in the US, but um, well, I think yeah. even the, um, the 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 TV adaptation, which yeah, was by a it, rival of the BBC. From it was ITV made that. That's right. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, and that may may not have anything to do with Christmas, but it certainly feels Christmassy enough for the same reason as Whistle and I'll Come to You does. It yeah, it just seems same like thing. It's, it's aimed it's, at that kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's someone. He was isolated in this kind of bleak sort of landscape with a lot of fog, a lot of mist. Um, mm. So, I mean, yeah, that, that that works for me the same way those those ones do. Yeah, um, well, it's, it's sort of a pastiche of M.R. James, E.F. Benson type mm-hmm. horror stories anyway, and those are all good Christmassy stories. I mean, E.F. Benson brings, brings us on to... Ah, fuck me! <laughs> Sorry, I got spooked by a Christmas ghost. Um, so, in in kind of um, in one one bit of preparation, I did do was was have a look to see what people were uh, talking about online and sort of lists of um, mm. you know the best horror films, winter themed. Yeah, um, and some of those I, I felt yeah that, that works for me, and then others don't. Uh, and then well, that's that. It's the same question. with the the Die Hard debate, isn't it? It's like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, so what? Um, maybe. 
Christmas but I suppose it raises the question: What what does what 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 if if you were um, to think of uh, you know a, a, a spooky sort or anything in that line that you would connect to this time of year? Mm. Um, what are the elements that would be at work? Are there are there things yeah. across the various examples that you can think of that do you know that that that, that recur? Um, mm. Well, we've already established that they don't need to be set at Christmas for one. No. Or have Christmas in them at all. No. Uh, Whistling I'll Come To You certainly doesn't. So, yeah, then, uh, but or, well, Gremlins, for instance, is mm-hmm. set at Christmas. And to me, that's a Christmas movie. That that feels like a Christmas horror movie um, because, it, you know, it has, I think, stuff to say about Christmas as well. Yeah. So that, yeah, that to me is that that counts. Whereas something like Inside, for instance, the uh, French movie, yeah, Interior, yeah. is set at Christmas. I think it's set on Christmas Eve, but I wouldn't. That that to me doesn't feel like a Christmas movie. That feels like no. it could have been set any any old time. I was going to put that to the test uh, to, but I, I didn't get around to it to, to watching Inside again um, because, as you say, it is set at Christmas, but it doesn't. And unless I suppose if someone's got a baby coming and someone's determined to kill it, yeah. I, suppose, I suppose there's something a bit Christmas. I in. imagine that that's probably in there somewhat. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the oh well, it's the birth of, but not really. Like to me, it doesn't especially no, feel like one. Um, same with uh, Day of the Beast. Is set at Christmas. That's right, it is, yeah. Yeah, but you, you have to sort of remember that. It, it yeah. doesn't feel important enough to the plot um, no. to, to qualify it as a Christmas horror. And I suppose, well, it's horror adjacent. Mm-hmm. It's, I wouldn't call it an outright horror. That's very good, though. Day of the Beast. I, I think you oh, turned yeah, me on to that one. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I heard about it. Um, there used to, when it when it there used to, so that the, on on British telly in the mid nineties there were a lot of shows I guess you would say magazine type shows as you say things like the Word and things like this that oh, yeah. were um, a bit outrageous and a bit uh, <laughs> and and they would have uh, various bits and pieces to do with strange carry-ons um, and they would have music performances and whatnot and anyway one of those was was a show called Hotel Babylon I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I'd set the video recorder for it because Green Day were on on this occasion, um, <laughs> and in that episode they mentioned I don't know why I, I don't but there was a section devoted to this Spanish horror film. Day of the Beast. Yeah, surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised. It's, it's, I didn't know it was. I didn't know it made much of a splash at the time. But I suppose it did. Well, it was a long time before I actually. I didn't see it until eventually it showed up again on on British telly. Um, mm-hmm. But that was, but the, the, yeah. I mean, uh, why that film? Does, I, I don't, I don't know why they included that, but they did. Um, but yeah, it was a long time before I saw it, and uh, and for a long time that was the only film of Alex de la Iglesia. De la Iglesia. Yeah, de la Iglesia means of the church. Yes, Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> his name is more Christmassy than the movie, though. <laughs> But yeah, when I, when I was looking at those, um, you know, winter horror pictures, and, and, I, and so a, f- a few months ago, um, in a similar bit of list reading, uh, 
I had been looking up um, horror westerns that felt like horror films for whatever mm. reason. I, I just watched High Plains Drifter for the first time in many years. Um, and I was thinking, you know, I wonder, because that feels, well, it used to feel more like a horror film. It doesn't feel so much like that now, it seems. But there are elements in it. It's a supernatural kind of feeling. Um, so you, so I was looking up lists of that, and you've got your, you know, the original Django and things like this are mentioned. But mm. also mentioned was Ravenous. Uh, oh, yeah. Antonia, but, which I've never seen, um, even though I I really liked Antonia Bird. Um, and even though Ravenous had kind of developed a sort of cult follow-on of a sort over the mm. years. but so, so I got hold of it then, um, but I still didn't watch it until I was looking at these lists of winter horrors. Um, and that was frequently uh, cited. Uh, so I did uh, get around to it. And, and I realized that... So the reason why it would be mentioned in these lists is because, you know, it's set in the snow and it's a sort of um, civil you war. You mean ravenous? So, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of snow. There's a lot of snow. But, <laughs> but I was thinking, well, it doesn't feel wintry at all to me, even though there's lots of snow. But mm. then there's a scene about 20 minutes in where they're in a hot... So it's back in post-Civil War times, um, sort of Western expansion stuff. Um, mm. uh, and and there's a, and there are these soldiers gathered and one appears eventually um, and they bring him in. And there's a scene where he's sitting explaining where, he, where he's come from, what has happened. Um, and he, it's Robert Carlyle of mm-hmm. uh, Trainspotting fame. Um, and he's, he's telling them the story about how he was with this company and something happened and they all ate he was running other. out of food. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And he ended up having to eat people, basically is what it is. But that scene is set in this very cramped, sort of dark space with a fire. Mm-hmm. And that did feel, when that happened, I was like, all right, okay, well, this feels right. But the snow <laughs> stuff the didn't. Which is kind of yeah. weird, because it's not, so I, I, So what I realized was, it's, for me, it, it's not the cold bit that feels wintry. It's the bit with the warmth. Mm. <laughs> so it's the fire that feels all right. Here we go. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I felt that somewhat about the uh, the hateful eight, the Tarantino mm. picture, which I think also I think did come out around Christmas time, or certainly that's when I saw it, um, and that felt Christmassy enough. I think is it might even be set at Christmas time. There's certainly it's it's very snowy. Um, it's awfully snowy, and there's a fire in a cabin. Maybe yeah. that's all you need. I guess it maybe came out, maybe if it, maybe it did come out at Christmas, but also that would have been sort of the time when um, awards things would be going on. So. Screeners, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that might be how I saw it now I think of it. But um, yeah, so, so that sort of counted. But then you have, uh, so, so I, I also had to look at some lists just to see if there were any I was missing out. And uh, what turned up on a few of them was Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, yeah. Which um, is set at Christmas. That is not something I would call a Christmas movie of any kind, let alone horror. But what do you think well, about that? Well, Eyes Wide Shut, well, this is the thing. This is, again, something that I I didn't do quick enough. But that's something I... Because I know you're a big fan of that film. Um, uh, or you used to be. Maybe you've. Maybe you've. I I like it. I like it a lot more. Uh, you know, a lot of people tend to write it off as shit. 
Mm -hmm. and just say oh well that, that was Stanley Cooper losing his faculties it was rubbish over long Tom Cruise starts Nicole Kidman was rubbish all of that I, I think there's a lot more to it than that but I, is it my favourite film? no very far from that but yeah there's a lot wrong with it but I, but I like it a fair amount hmm. well I, I have a, I have it because um, for a long time I really did not like Stanley Kubrick's films um, I always liked maybe the first half hour of them so the first half hour of Full Metal Jacket, everyone knows that's great. The rest of it, yeah. who can be bothered? Um, mm. The first half hour of Clockwork Orange is great. The rest of it, I get the idea. You know, it's The Shining, <laughs> half hour, fantastic. Then you know, I get the idea. So, but I always thought that Doctor Strangelove is different because that's the one that's, that's really good the whole way through. Um, and I was so opposed to the notion of Stanley Kubrick that when I was doing... So I eventually ended up teaching film studies, but through that whole time of undergraduate and postgraduate and whatnot, I I had never seen 2001, um, mm -hmm. and I refused to see it eventually. And I thought, no, that's that's going to be my thing. I'm someone who refuses to watch <laughs> 2001. Um, and Take my stand. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> <Stand someone did. laughs> yeah. So one night I was I was ill with a, a flu or something and, and I had run out of stuff that was near hand but for some reason I did have a copy of 2001 even though I had no intention of ever watching maybe that was part of it that was yeah, even you just, more to have it to look at it and say I will <laughs> never watch you you stupid yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I put it on that night and it was over much sooner than I expected and I thought oh, that's that's really good um which felt horrible it was like oh man you give in for that's really good mm. oh. But last year, um, I had reason to see it again. And this time I, I was like, holy fuck. Like, like, I, like I, it, the, 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 something had happened to it in that time. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden I was seeing this incredible, astonishing thing that everyone else saw, where I just saw something that was pretty good. Um, mm. And that changed everything. And then suddenly The Shining was different. No, it was brilliant the whole way through. Um, so there was a whole, and plus 2001 was way scarier and eerier than I remembered. Because um, mm. I didn't really remember it being scary or eerie at all. Um, but it is, it, it feels like a, I think I said to you at the time, it feels fucking folk horror almost. You know, there's this mm. thing that appears, nobody knows why it's there. It, it's been there forever. And it's, and it doesn't matter where human, human beings go, it's there. Um, and so the, there's those is it the moon that it lands on where they're kind of um, walking it's somewhere uh, not earth anyway um, well Stanley Kubrick himself went to the moon he went to the moon yes <laughs> probably where and they it, shot it yeah yeah and, and uh, you know the, the, the theorists will tell you that you know he made a mess of that because uh, when the hatchet comes through the door of the moon um, <laughs> the shadow lands on uh, Malcolm McDowell the wrong way like if yeah. it was really coming through it would it would have hit him from below yeah. uh, but, you can see the so, shadow of a helicopter on the moon <laughs> yeah. anyway. and they're playing pogs at one point there's yeah. pog championships <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so, so that changed but, yeah. everything so the point was at that, at that time I went through various different um, Stanley Kubrick films and, and had my... And again, that just felt shit. It was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So, <laughs> so now not only is it that you've seen this thing, but you're just somebody else who thinks it's wonderful. 
<laughs> but, but where did you but, land on Eyes Wide Shut? Eyes Wide Shut, I have not yet gone back to because I don't think I made it with Eyes Wide Open any more than maybe half an hour of it uh, ever. Again, maybe the maybe because I, I expected that half an hour would be as much as I would need. Um, oh, but no, I do, no. so so I have it. So and, and I too saw it come uh, on those lists, and then um, I, I thought. So I'm quite glad if you're saying that actually no, it, it doesn't really feel like that at all. I feel like I was okay uh, too. Yeah, no, I, I I wouldn't include it in the discussion. It is set at Christmas, and it is eerie. It is spooky, but not. it doesn't have whatever, yeah, whatever. I, I suppose we're trying to very loosely define what constitutes a Christmas movie. I'm not one of those people who's indignant about Die Hard. Uh, you know, mm. people argue about that, and that seems to me silly. It's like, if it feels like something you should watch around Christmas time then mm-hmm. that is about all that matters, I think. Um, like, a lot of people say, uh, suggest the Harry Potter films for for Christmas time, because usually they have a sequence which involves Christmas. Yes. Um, uh, and they were also released... I think all of them were released in December. Uh, so, in, in, in the picture, at the pictures. So, mm-hmm. I remember it, going to see them as a kid uh, in, the, in the cinemas... Uh, around Christmas time, so they are associated somewhat with Christmas for me. However, the Lord of the Rings films, which were also released around that time, are not. Peter Jackson's yeah. King Kong was released around Christmas, and to me feels like, in my head now, it's a Christmas movie, even though it's... Well, it's, even, uh, it's got the ice and the, uh, yeah. the ice skating and... Yeah, he goes to um, New York, and there's, there's some mice there, and I'm not sure if that's meant to be around Christmas time, I don't think so, but yeah... The third Harry Potter feels to me like a good fit. Like it's a, for at least a lot of the time, it feels like it's a good fit. It's, it's got a, a lot of snow in it. It's snow and it's frosty and it's got the Dementors in the train and it's it's creepy. Yeah. In, 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 a, in an appropriate sort of way. Um, yeah. I, I, that's about you know, I, that, that's about what what defines. A Christmas movie. I don't think it goes much further than that. If enough people say this feels like something that should be watched at Christmas, then there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's that, that's that's the thing. Um, and I, I suppose as well. I mean, it's it's for me. Anyway, it's difficult for things. So just thinking of how the uh, the ghost stories for Christmas and whatnot work or or feel. Um, there's something about the distance from it. Um, and the green and the way it was shot and everything else, that and it's, there's that aesthetic thing feels so. So it's, it's difficult for something produced now to do mm. the same thing for me that that does. Um, well, yeah, as we've well certainly I've recently learned with um, the because they're still doing these Christmas. Uh, ghost mm-hmm. stories on the BBC, um, but now it seems to be entirely in the purview of Mark Gaddis from uh, from League of Gentlemen. Yeah. Is it Gattis or Gatis? I've never said it out loud. It's Gattis, isn't it? I've never... Mark Gattis? I've said Gattis. I've been saying Gattis, yeah, but I've never been yeah. pulled up on it. So I'm assuming it's Gattis. Uh, anyway, he, uh, he's been doing it. Because they... All of the League of Gentlemen loved... You know, were greatly influenced mm-hmm. by that kind of stuff. As well as, you know, plenty of other folk horror and stuff like that. But... Um, so he's got a lot of love in his heart for it. He knows the source material like the back of his hand mm-hmm. and you would think well there's no no more perfect person 
to continue to helm these. But yeah. unfortunately, uh, you know, not to be too harsh, but unfortunately he's really shit at it. <laughs> he's, he's not good at it. He, he's done, uh, off the top of my head, the, the most recent one was the, um, uh, is it Count Magnus? Curious yes. case of... Is a yeah. curious case of Count Mag- the case of Count Magnus? Well, the, the 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 episode I think is just called Count Magnus. Count, yeah, but I think the story. So they're all Mr. I think they're all Mr. James adaptations. He did the Tractate Midith. and the Mezzotint. The Mezzotint, yeah, yeah, Mezzotint. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, they're 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 shit, and they're not they're not good. They ha- they have everything, e- everything is at his disposal, but. There's something about the way they look, the way they're acted, mm-hmm. the way they're just put together, which, you know, I understand that the, the BBC don't want to put out something obviously kind of feeling antiquated uh, because they need people to watch it. So I understand them giving it modern production values and stuff like that. Uh, and they did this also. They remade Whistle and I'll Come to You with John Hurt. Yeah, to the, about 10 the years ago, nobody. which was horrid. <laughs> It was terrible, yeah. I, but and they updated it again, trying to think. Okay, well, a modern audience isn't going to be scared by a, a random bit of cloth uh, chasing this bloke around. So we need to give it emotional depth and quote unquote character development. TM. Um, so it's like his wife is dead, and he's all sad about that, and he's going yeah. off, you know, to go on a holiday to remember her, and the, but it, but it's it's rubbish. It's not as good. You don't need no. that. You just you just need an old bumbling academic who doesn't say anything, being chased by a bit of cloth down a beach. Exactly. That, you know, it, it, it tells its own tale. You know, you don't need. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree with the. I mean the 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 mark. Goddess, <laughs> Mark G, G, Marky e. G, we'll Marky e. G. Um, his, uh, yeah, uh, th- there are some quite awful decisions that he makes. Yeah, uh, the, the the, I guess they're short. There's always that. Uh, Mercifully short. They don't I feel short though. The pacing is terrible. No, I, I, no. especially in this most recent one. Um, yeah, it felt longer than it needed to be. Yeah, because there's there's not a, I mean now we're almost contradicting ourselves because there's not a, well it just goes to show I suppose the difference between you know you give Jonathan Miller something with not a huge amount on page going on and you get that and you give Mark D G um, and it's very obvious that he has very little to work with <laughs> which yeah which is, yeah uh, that could be but yeah in the, in the same minutes. way the in the same way that whistle and I'll come to you. You could argue pads itself out by having lots of scenes of Michael Horton eating an egg or <laughs> yeah. sort of sitting at a breakfast table mumbling to himself. But it feels that that, that feels it feels like there's some suspense in that in the in the because, mm-hmm. like, well, obviously, this is going to get spooky at some point. But yeah. but how? And like and, it, and it's kind of it's just eerie anyway. Having you're like, who is this? This, why is he acting like that? Like, why is he behaving yeah. this way? And you never really. But in the the Count Magnus one, I think that was definitely a big influence. Um, Michael Horton's performance as the the, the protagonist in Whistle and I'll Come to You seems to be what Mark Gaddis has shown to uh, what's his name? Is it Jason Watkins or uh, Watkins? Jason Watkins? Right, the the yes. guy who plays the protagonist in Count Magnus. It's like he's shown him that and been like, oh, be a bit like that. 
Yeah, so, I can see that. But you've got a bunch of dialogue too. So he's having to give this, and he's a good actor, but yeah. he's having to give this very kind of eccentric performance, which doesn't doesn't it doesn't feel like it fits in with the world around him or the story that's being told or the uh, more specifically the dialogue michael horton can get away with doing all his mr bean stuff because he doesn't have any dialogue to say really he's that's, that's true just that's his to... character from the beginning whereas this one it's like a script was written and then the direction was do do michael horton mm-hmm. um which uh, completely didn't didn't work at all and it, it just wasn't scary that you know there's one scare in that this by the way was released the other day it was i, I think yeah, on it was like christmas Friday eve the, yeah the 23rd is that right 20 yeah 23rd or 24th so you know very fresh in my mind unfortunately mm. uh, yeah i just didn't think it was i didn't think it was any good there was one particular scare probably the biggest scare in the entire thing which involved did you watch it you watched it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it had uh you know, a flashback of something terrible that had befallen these these two yeah. po- hunters or poachers or something, and uh, you get a kind of jump cut to the results, which is one of them's had their face skinned off. Now, when you read that in a in an M.R. James uh, book, <laughs> it's important because you're you're sort of trying to imagine what that could look like. Those descriptions have <laughs> been so horrifying that people. You were know, passing out over over seeing the remains of this person, but then they decide to just go ahead and show it in this, and it looks like something straight out of a joke shop. Yeah, like, that, a, like a face of big bulging eyes going eh? with with its yeah. skin all <laughs> torn up. It just looks yeah. terrible, and I'm like, my, you know, this would never have gone into a, one of the you know one of the seventies ones. It, it's just it's just shit. It's just not. Well, good. I think you've just said what I what I tried to say, and. and kind of lost what I was trying to say but yeah that's the thing what works on paper um, often it works because of what it hasn't told you it's just told you enough yeah. uh, so mm-hmm. you know you're concocting all sorts of things but yeah as you say I mean that I love more <laughs> the, the, the one I, I, I he, he did I'm not sure if it was last year it was maybe a couple of years ago but he did a adaptation of Margie G did um, what uh, Martin's Close. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I don't think I saw this one. Well, I mean, I wouldn't think it would um, sway you one way or the other, but um, it's, um, so it's a, it's, it's a kind of court case. Uh, uh, this person is accused of uh, murdering a woman. Um, he's, he's a kind of, uh, He's a, of of, no, of nobility, um, and this is a sort of, a, a, you know, a, a, a scrubber that he's, <laughs> that, he's been, that he's been wasting his time with. Um, and and so he's in the court, and actually uh, Peter Capaldi is um, his, is the lawyer or whatever. Um, but he sees, the, the guy in the dock sees this woman as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the Hammer Horror, the Reptile? No. Well, there's, there's a there's a there's a Hammer film of that name, and it's about. I mean, they feel quite Christmasy too, actually. But but there's a there's one about this woman, and she's got the face of a essentially a snake. Uh, and for whatever reason, Marky G thought it would be a good idea to um, to show us what this spook looks like, and uh, that, and she looks like that. Uh, which is a bit silly, and she does this kind of juddering kind of. It's, it's, it's yeah, but but 
overall, that bit aside, I think that of what I've seen of his ones, um, that works best for me. It's still not especially mm. great or anything, but and part of the reason why it works is it does the different things that I would want it to do. So, so what one of the things the BBC did at a time you, you, you probably remember was uh, they would have the ghost stories for Christmas, but it would be uh, Christopher Lee uh, sort of reading to you yeah, for fifteen yeah. minutes or whatever, um, and there would be no real dramatization if I remember mm. correctly. It was just him by a fire basically uh, reading yeah. to you, and this does that. Um, so the framing is a modern day. I, I assume he looks to be dressed for the occasion of being alive now, um, and he's <laughs> well, sitting he's in an armchair, a big cap <laughs> on, and <laughs> yeah. so. Well, he's sitting there. He's just telling you, "Oh yes, I, I came across." I, I can't. I don't think he says, "I'm going to tell you a story" or anything. <clears throat> I think he's probably saying what it says in the text, the M.R. James. Um, he says he buys. Um, or he collects uh, rare manuscripts and court transcripts mm. and whatnot. And he's come across this one uh, and he's going to tell us now what goes on in it. And then it, then it is dramatised, the goings-on in the courtroom, and right. the flashback to what happened and whatnot. Um, so, so that one, uh, it, it was pleasant enough. It was... Uh, okay. But again, it didn't... It didn't... It didn't, f- it didn't feel like the other ones. And... Um, I, I think, I suppose it, because there's there, I think it's weird because there there's a nostalgia element, even if you didn't grow up with um, the things in question whistling and come to you because you were born way after they happened, mm. because they have a certain age and grain and whatnot. Um, they still you, they still stir a sort of nostalgia. Yeah, um, and I guess there that I mean Christmas time is. Um, people going back to somewhere that's comforting. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm driving home for Christmas. He's not driving to Ibiza for Christmas. He's driving home. Um, so, <laughs> I suppose that nostalgia thing plays into that because you're mm. going back somewhere, um, and obviously something produced in 2020, whatever this is. Uh, well, it isn't. It isn't going to feel like that. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a good point. But then again, I, I spoke to my dad about this just recently, and he saw these, um, you know, these this golden age of ghost stories for Christmas uh, when they aired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he felt at the time that oh, these are really, really good and valuable. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult because we're working with stuff that isn't really that good. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, but I think that <laughs> that's quite a pertinent point. But um, then again, though, to keep on. With Marky G, who was involved in League of Gentlemen, uh, the mm-hmm. other people who seem to be keeping up the tradition somewhat are uh, the other League of Gentlemen, the uh, yes, Risha Smith and Steve Pemberton, um, who are currently doing Inside Number Nine, and mm-hmm. they have produced now two Christmas specials of a sort, Christmas yeah. episodes anyway, um, and. Uh, they just did one recent. I think it was released the same day as Mark Gaddis's uh, offering, and uh, called "The Bones of Saint Nicholas." And um, I'm going to preface this by saying, "Sorry, Reese," because he seems to magically know whenever someone anywhere has criticized something that he's done, um, and get very angry about it. But, um, 
Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't think this this latest one was very good. But the the one they did before, The Devil of Christmas. With the Krampus? The Krampus. Yeah, it was... It, I mean, I suppose the, the plot within the plot was about the Krampus, but it was presented like... Uh, a director giving a director's commentary to an old 70s kind That's of... That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so this really was a direct callback to, to this kind of thing. So it was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was presented like a 1970s... Um, is there a particular name for that style of... <laughs> that style like TV of TV play? Film? TV play, play for, yeah. Play like, like a Ni- stuff? Exactly, yeah, like a, like a Nigel Neal kind of thing yeah, yeah. kind of like be- beasts or something like that um mm-hmm. about this family um going to a cabin and the krampus coming and causing trouble but it's you know it's deliberately kind of generic the the play the film or the tv episode within the episode or whatever is is what it is but it's framed by i think it's derek jacoby uh doing a di- what seems to be a director's commentary on it and mm-hmm. kind of pointing out things that went wrong and uh things about the actors things about the actresses or whatever and then but there there's a twist ending to it um which i won't give away because i do recommend people go and watch that um yeah and it's still as far as i know it's still like on iplayer and stuff i think uh yeah most likely yeah you can certainly you can certainly watch it out here if you have uh i think Britbox or something like that um mm. it was on hbo for a while but anyway uh that i think was quite good um, I know some people weren't sure about the ending. I, I quite liked it, and that to me that felt like a, a a worthy entry into the into the Christmas horror special um, yeah. canon. And then also the League of Gentlemen Christmas special from That's way right, back yeah. when, uh, which I think I just watched that again recently, and I think that's very very good. That's done in the Amicus anthology kind of. Style. Yeah. It's three different stories uh, with a with a framing device. Um, with that one, though, I, I sort of hesitate to recommend it because if you're not already familiar with the League of Gentlemen and its characters, it may be less good. But I think it is designed to not be too self-referential, so I think it more or less holds up on its own. Well, um, that that's maybe um, that probably makes sense on the whole, but. My own experience of it was the opposite of that. Um, I really didn't like League of Gentlemen at all. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> I thought it was repulsive. Uh, it just—I thought—I thought it was fucking horrible. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, there not, you go. Not, not in a. Oh, there, was, there was just a lot of stuff at that time that was going out of its way to be as mean spirited and as. Mm. Uh, it, I, I didn't. So I don't know why. Bear I in mind, I, I didn't see the League of Gentlemen until way, way later. Then it, it finished airing in the early two thousands, and I didn't see it until probably the late two thousands. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe well, it didn't have that same. Well, what I did yeah. was I, I watched a couple of episodes. Uh, I decided I hate this, uh, and then for some reason I watched the Christmas special, um, and I. Thought it was incredible, uh, <laughs> so then I was like, "Oh, hmm, maybe." I'm, but I still didn't. When I went back, I still don't like the first two series. Um, mm. But I like the Christmas special a lot, and I like the third series 
which most people would say is barely has very little relation to the first two at all. It's uh, it is different, yeah. It's like six stories all circling the same incident, kind of, mm-hmm. if I remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Christmas oh. special, I, I thought we really, I mean, that was that was something else. I, I, was, I was properly... Yeah, and, and that to me felt like, I mean, as, as we've said, they were all, you know, knee-deep in, in the history of, like, British TV horror. And yeah. the Christmas special was definitely a kind of callback to that and has plenty of direct references as well to... Yeah. Um, to other things like the ghost story for Christmases and stuff, but it, yeah, that I think was is one of the few things that has um, managed to capture the same spirit. Whereas Mark Gaddis on his own, I don't think can. Um, yeah, when I when I looked it up to see because I didn't know there was a new one until you um, mentioned it, and hmm. and then I couldn't remember what ones I'd seen or hadn't seen, so they just had four. But the new one was in the middle of them, like they weren't listed uh, sort of chronologically. So I had to Google to see which one it was, um, and I saw the Guardian review for this one, uh, which was like uh, two out of five or whatever. And the person reviewing it said, "You know, is <laughs> doing like in Mean Girls when the character tries to force a saying <laughs> to, to oh. become a thing. It's like <laughs> they're like Mark Mark Marky G continues trying to do that." <laughs> With yeah. his yearly ghost stories for Christmas that are really a yeah. bit crap. I, I can't imagine yeah. that in 30, 40 years' time, people are going to be really excited that those Mark E.G. Christmas ghost <laughs> things have been issued on, you know, a holodeck or whatever. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a shame, isn't it? Um, and, and, and that there doesn't seem to be much else... Um, trying to offer a, a similar thing but perhaps better uh, at least not that I know of perhaps there is some stuff out there that, uh, that well, is I, kind of filling, that, filling those of, shoes yeah I, I can think of things that, that feel appropriate like hmm. the others for example um, well yeah but they're I mean, thing, that's, but, um, that's 20 uh, years old now I'm, I'm talking uh, about something that's uh, you know that's still being <laughs> done to, yeah, to to try and keep the tradition alive, um, and yeah, I'm, I, I think Mark Gaddis is nobly trying, and the Inside Number Nine guys are nobly trying, but um, with you know not great results most of the time. And also, I mean, they they because you you'd said about first hearing about whistling whistling and I'll come to you in the Signal Man. I think you mentioned the Signal Man. Um, mm. On was it? But I remember as well when. I first heard people talking about those and it was when um, the BFI released yeah. it on DVD. Mm. Um, and that, I think that was, I think that was the first time I heard people talking about them and then it seemed to build from that and suddenly it was talked about a lot. Um, so, so there was that period of absence, I suppose, where people hadn't seen this thing and Marky G and the inside number nine lads won't have that because, because now they can't be absent for that long do you know what i mean mm. so it, it can't develop any sort of mystique or anything yeah because yeah. it's always going to be there somewhere <laughs> yeah it? no that's right yeah they're at, they're at a disadvantage but i do think if they were really really good the, <laughs> uh, they would have <laughs> they would have um, stood the test of time regardless and you know people i mean think about something like it's a wonderful life right which is now a quintessential christmas movie it, it mm-hmm. came out uh, apparently did quite badly at the box yeah. office and 
gained its um, notoriety now from being cheap to cheap for TV stations to buy at Christmas time by licensing. Yeah, they, and they fucked up the um, the the. It went into the public domain much quicker than it was than it should have done. Is that uh, right? Yeah, something like a that. A bit like Night of the Living Dead, I suppose. Uh, yeah. There, there was a bugger up somewhere along the line. So, so yeah, that was it. it, was, it but was, it got played at Christmas and then just mm-hmm. by virtue of that happening became what it is. It also helps that it's quite good. Um, yes. And it's also <laughs> another sort of uh, Christmas Carl thing in it to yeah. an extent. Um, yeah, where it, where it sort of just becomes part of the, the culture. Um, because yeah. everyone, even if I mean a lot of people, I don't think have actually read a Christmas Carol, um, and I hadn't even read it the whole way through. I don't think until a few years ago, uh, because I assumed that I'd, I, I assumed that I had because it was so. The story <laughs> is so well known now. Um, I don't think that's going to happen with Mark Gaddis's Count Magnus. No, but and I don't think it should, because it because it was shit, but. <laughs> But I, do, but I don't think it would be impossible for something to come along now that um, that did achieve that kind of uh, longevity, I suppose yeah. is the word. Um, but uh, no one's doing it. But people need to get their hands together and just do it. Maybe maybe it's also that um, Mark Gaddis is very, um, very much tapping into something that was already there. There's already um, been, yeah... So and he, maybe he, that the he thing can't that really we, hope to do better, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and 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 maybe the thing that needs to happen is something that nobody's expecting. Um, mm. I mean, I don't know if anyone was gathered. Or, I mean, I don't even know if 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 the BBC or whoever even really thought of it as a thing, or if it's only in the wake of the DVD reissues and everything else that gathered these things together I, that they've kind of retroactively said that it was a thing, but m- maybe it wasn't. Maybe. Mm, yeah, my my dad certainly seemed to think it was at at, at the time that you would look forward to it. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, I, so I think it was. Um, so it was definitely known that at Christmas time you would get a, a yeah, a the, the, something like that would be coming out. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and even with things like like I mean, what what probably Schlack and the Painter is a bit of an outlier in that it doesn't really nothing. I that. Is probably the only one which I would say isn't very Christmassy. I, I don't know if I would no. call it a Christmas horror because it actually was that one released at Christmas. I think it was. Well, it's, it tends to be bundled up with them anyway. It's bundled with them, but yeah, I, that one is a bit of an outlier. It's very good, but but mm-hmm. it's not Christmas good. Um, yeah, I don't know, but, but then I I, I remember. Uh, Part of the tradition, kind of like what I was saying about how Harry Potter feels Christmassy, but Lord of the Rings somehow doesn't, uh, mm. even though they were both released at that time of year, and you would get the DVDs for Christmas. So getting a DVD for Christmas ties it <laughs> ties it to that time of year for me somehow as well. So, um, But also DVD covers. So I remember... And this is apparently a common experience across nations because my my American friend Max had the same exact experience of being in the in the DVD sh- in the video shop um, blockbuster or whatever, and seeing the front cover of a nineteen ninety seven I think horror called Jack Frost. Oh yeah, yeah. Which had a big scary snowman yes. face on it. Not to be confused I- with the. Much more disturbing, uh, Michael Keaton. The Michael homework. Keaton as the magical <laughs> snowman one, yeah, which which I was familiar with at that time, and then 
you know, when I went to rent that from the video store, I would have to go quite near the, this other far more sinister Jack Frost, which had an 18 mm. certificate, which, which I'm sure if it was resubmitted probably isn't warranted. I haven't well, the, seen the, the film. I still, I've still not seen the scary Jack Frost because I want to keep that memory of it being frightening to me. Yeah, you, no, you, you don't want to mess with that. Uh, no, uh, I, I'm sure I'd be disappointed. Or the Ginger Dead Man, of course. <laughs> the Ginger Dead Man is another one, yeah. Yeah, and I was wondering about that. Like, Were there any other... Like, did Ghoulies ever do Christmas? No, I don't think so. No, they went to college. They the went end. to college. Um, no time for Christmas. They're busy with their academic studies. Um, <laughs> they, you had... Uh, yeah, I don't know. There were, there were a few DVDs like that, which remind me of Christmas, because, even though I've never seen them. Just covers. Yeah, <laughs> Jack Frost is pretty much the main one. Ginger Dead Man. Ginger yeah. Dead Man. Yeah. I, I I don't feel like I need to um, investigate them much further though. I, I prefer just keeping them in my head as as an image that I associate image, with yeah. Christmas time. Yeah. What well, one I, don't know I if did hear? No, I, I don't. I don't. I'm I probably saw the Ginger Dead Man uh, <laughs> at some point. Um, but um, so so. Uh, I uh, there's um there's a group or there's a, a community society whatever um, the British British Academy of Film and Television Screen Studies um although it's called the acronym which I that's too mathematical for me to figure out B A whatever yeah so yeah. so they they have various special interest groups and one of them is to do with horror um and maybe a month ago or less, um, there was a, a sort of research seminar thing to do with Christmas. Um, and in the course of that, uh, it's, it's on YouTube, I said, they, they upload these things to YouTube. Um, but, uh, but one fellow who was talking, uh, a guy, Steve Jones, um, not, yeah, you fucking <laughs> <raw>. not him. <laughs> uh, you fucking arsehole. Uh, he was, he said they were asking what what you would recommend for for Christmas viewing and what he recommended was uh, Silent Night Deadly Night Four, uh, which apparently has no connection with the other Silent Night Deadly Nights. It's not about a murderous Santa. Um, it's about pagan. It's 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 by Brian Usner first of all, um, uh, and apparently it's uh, it's got uh, pagan cults and it's got a. Uh, weird Cronenberg-type body horror and uh, parasite worm things. Um, so that seems to be inching towards the, the Jack Frost end of the scale, but apparently that's uh, that, 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 that's quite something. So I, so oh, I believe. I'll, I'll take that. But yeah, you, you were telling me about that, that seminar, and uh, someone was also suggesting The Conjuring 2 as a Christmas movie. Yeah, well... A Christmas horror. It was just after we had done our uh, explosive... <laughs> Quite literally, I suppose. Uh, Amateurville two uh, number. Um, mm. So it, it was very soon after that. So that was already in my mind anyway. So I, I they some because they were talking as well. I guess about American traditions. I, I have trouble concentrating these days so much. So so sometimes I'll <laughs> I'll fade out and fade back in. And when I fade it back in, they've been talking about British traditions, um, much like we were. Uh, and then it was: Is there anything? you know, in America that's comparable. So in the we, I mean, I wasn't part of the actual active live discussion, but I was commenting on the sidelines 
Um, and so I mentioned Amityville, which is, uh, as we now are aware, um, Christmas related. Um, yeah. And then somebody else just said, yeah, actually, and on that, um, I suppose The Conjuring 2 as well is is Christmassy. Um, and then, it's, you know, there were very, which I guess it is, it, it's, it's, a, it's got Christmas trappings. Um, Mm. Not none that really stood out for me when I thought back to it, but no. maybe I just wasn't really, I didn't retain a whole lot of it. Um, and it was released in the then, summer. Yeah. It was released in the summer. I, that almost invalidates in, it to me. <laughs> it, it does, but apparently what I also learned through that is that in Germany, for some reason, Gremlins was released in June or something, oh. like in, the, in the summer sometime. Um, so, you know, it, it may be that, um, that he... Because James Wan apparently said he wanted it. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted it to be a sort of Christmas ghosty movie. Um, yeah. He I always wants maybe to a... do something good, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think he. I think he said that about every film he's done. He's like, I want it to be a good horror, scary movie, and yeah. unfortunately, it never is. But he'll get there one day, maybe. Well, you know, yeah. he's... once he once he's done putting all those horror characters into his Aquaman films. <laughs> Yeah, fucking Annabelle's turning up in the Aquaman. What? What are you doing? Anyway, seriously, that, that's serious. <laughs> that's real. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm. Yeah. The, <laughs> the manufacturers yeah. of Raggedy Ann must be furious. They're not getting the money from that. <laughs> Instead, the traumatized descendant of the Warrens is picking up some. Anyway. Um. <clears throat> all right. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if I had that much to say. I was gonna. I, I have some notes here. I was gonna say, but obviously I, I I wrote these notes and then didn't clarify what I was meant to say about them because I was just like, oh, I'll be good enough to write August Underground three. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I have much to say about it. There is a Christmas scene in it. <laughs> there's a Christmas home invasion. So there's that. Better that, watch yeah. out. Is a yeah. film that was made about Christmas. And it's horror. Is that that's the one with the babysitter? Yes. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Is she a babysitter? Yeah, she is. Yeah. And then, well, there's a. Yeah. Well, we, we won't say these people because it's quite good. I, I I like that one. I remember I being alright. Um, Krampus. Yeah. I like I like that. Like that 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 um, you know, sort of uh, deserves a place near enough to Gremlins. Sort of along. Along those lines, uh, but a, a lot of people don't seem to like that one very much. I like it. I th- yeah, I, th- I, I like it, and it does. It's one of the ones that that does use snow correctly. Uh, yes, <laughs> you know the bits for the right side. It, that that works. So mm. he's he's very good at um. What what's his name again? Michael Doherty. Yes, I think. he's he's good at, uh, at um late in the year. Ambience. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, because well, hol- just just doing holidays because he, he yeah. did trick or treat as well. Trick or treat, really. About Halloween, yeah. and, uh, it, it felt yeah, and, and Krampus. I, I suppose Krampus is the other thing. Um, which Krampus is, has it all because it, it, it also does the you know the kind of national lampoons Christmas you know family, yes, dysfunctional family uh, awkwardness. It's got all and of it that. does the then talking at people who are buying too much. <laughs> it, it does. It's, it begins with that. Yeah, it begins with a, a long montage of people doing Black Friday. 
Yeah, which which actually, I I don't think there's much. Black Friday has that reputation for people trampling over everyone in stores trying to get stuff. I don't think Christmas does, but maybe it maybe maybe it used to. I don't know. Jingle all the way also has a bit of that going on. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. It's it's always feels quite sneery. Yeah. Yeah, and, and definitely Krampus comes pretty close to sneering at... I mean, they're... they're uh, yeah, in National Lampoon's... Uh, what's his name? The the, the Quaid. Randy, Randy Quaid's oh, family. Oh, right. oh, yeah, yeah, Randy, yeah. Yeah, and they have a, they have a kind of... Um, what's the word? Not Avatar, but yeah, they're... they're that family is in Krampus, too. Uh, with Analog. David, David Analog. Ketchner. Analog, that's... Thank you. Um... Yeah, and it, and it definitely comes close to feeling a bit a bit sneery, and uh, but I think it, it goes both ways because you have them being a kind of up like middle class hoity toity family, and then them being a kind of more rough and ready redneck kind of yeah. family. Um, but it's it, almost I, I like think it, I think it balances it well enough. Personally. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's nothing. Uh, I mean, there's plenty other things doing the same thing. Um, oh. But it is. I mean, it, it's it's like. Underneath, I guess there is a similar Christmas Carl sort of thing about you know you're missing the point you know but but Krampus and certain other films that do the same thing feel very much like they might have that Dickens influence somewhere back but they feel a lot more like Scrooge than they do you know yes. in that they just they are disgusted by people <laughs> who, yeah who, who, who you know who are who are lesser and yet acting yeah. like. <laughs> Although, I, what I will say about Krampus is even though that is all for, is definitely in there, like, you know, the commercialization, of, well, the loss of the true spirit of Christmas, right? Mm. Uh, but the person who's actually being punished in it, the, the target of Krampus, isn't the uh, the upper middle class family who are neglectful and bickering and uh, keeping up with the Joneses, and it isn't the lower class family who are, uh, you know... Um, fat and gluttonous and obsessed with material things um mm. it's the kid who wants to keep the spirit of christmas alive or thinks that they're all missing the point yeah he's the one who krampus comes after because he's torn up he's given up on like tra- that's he, right yeah. he writes a letter to santa uh, wishing everyone to um you know be nicer basically um kind of like Derek. And uh, <laughs> and it, but but he gets so um, flustered with everyone just not you, you know not being what he what he wants them to be that he tears it up and says like fuck this and that's what brings Krampus along. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what it's saying. But it is a <laughs> it's a fun enough fun enough yeah, Christmas it's, John. It's... It has haunted gingerbread men. Yeah. Yeah. Haunted and Christmas a toys thing. Yeah, big haunted Jack in the Box, uh, and it's got uh, Krampus, which which I think is I, I think he looks quite good. He looks yeah. Uh, I think I remember you describing it as um, genuinely grotesque. Uh, it is pretty grotesque. Yeah, it is. For, yeah, because uh, I played this. I, I I hadn't seen it for quite a while, uh, and then we're, you know I've got got a family. I got kids, and we have to figure out stuff to watch every Christmas without making it the same few things over and over again. 
uh, like a Christmas story or fucking whatever. Um, <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street, which I find really difficult to sit through. Um, but yeah, so this year I was like, oh, why, let's give Krampus a go, whatever. And my wife's like, oh, isn't that a bit... Isn't that a bit scary? And I'm like, no, no. It's it's just gingerbread men running around being all mischievous and stuff. <laughs> and yeah, put it on and uh, oh yeah, it's 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 a bit more grotesque than I remember. There's, there's yeah, a fair bit of gore in that too. <laughs> yeah. A fair bit yeah. of gore and uh, the, there's a, there's an F word. I which I isn't, imagine there is yeah yeah. It's not the most concerning thing, but it's, it's a PG thirteen out here, so I I thought oh, it'll be fine. Uh, was it? Yeah, was no, it, fine? it was, Well, they were all right with it. I think my daughter liked it. My my, my three year old daughter <laughs> enjoyed it a lot. Cheering when gingerbread ghosts got blown up. Yeah, well, there you go. That's <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you know, it's good. But the, yeah, the the creature design of Mr. Krampus himself is, I think, quite effective. It is quite yeah. nasty. Yeah, <laughs> he looks yeah, like sort of, of all the all of that of the old various... man. Yeah, but and it, it has that thing like there's a wee, like a, a sort of window on his head. Yeah, it's <laughs> his like his face. jaws been dislocated, like a, like yeah. a like a snake, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, it's quite good, uh, but I but I don't think that one's really caught on. Sadly, I, I think that would be an all right one to. I, I think it's worthy of joining the list of films mm. that you watch around Christmas time, especially. Well, with, you know, they I guess they they take a bit of time. Um, yeah, and maybe sometimes. Uh, Although, as you say, Krampus wasn't... I don't remember getting bad reviews or anything. I don't think it got slated, but I think people thought, oh, it's... Received kind of the same way Rare Exports was received. Oh, yeah, Rare Exports as well. And that, again, has not... um, Maybe it's too much like you're being... So, I mean, what, what, what has kind of reached the canon... Oh, no, Elf, I suppose. Um, Elf, yeah, I, I was about to ask you that. Was, yeah, because what you were saying earlier about how it's difficult to kind of create the same context for mm-hmm. something to become uh, part of a tradition uh, has kind of gone with the way that we consume things now. But, yeah, so Elf, yeah, that's 2004. Has there been yeah. something more recent than that that has come along? I can't and, think uh, of anything. But, um, came to stay. I don't think so. Maybe not. But it might be that something like <sighs> I don't know, like something rare exports. It feels like it's good. Yeah. And it's but maybe that's an issue. Maybe because people were being told <laughs> at the time this is good. This is the one you're going to keep watching. Maybe that instinctively people go, well, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm not going to keep Quite watching. possibly, yeah. I suppose it does seem like the ones, the ones that stick around almost do so by accident. Yeah, they, or they're on TV for, enough, as you said. Yeah. Um, which well, like Home, exports, Home Alone, you know, definitely... Home Alone felt like it was designed to be what it is. Mm-hmm. Actually, that, that that's another thing I could add into the into the canon of Grimmer Comfort's recommendations. Home Sweet Home Alone, the the new Home Alone that came out in, with uh, uh, with Rob Delaney and uh, Ellie Kemper as the 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 invaders. So what what's the what's the story? Well, that. if you know the story of Home Alone, this won't be much of a surprise to you. But <laughs> a child gets left home alone in a big mansion. And is it is it is it good? N- n- no, 
but it's uh, but uh, the reason I would I would talk about it a little bit on this podcast is that it's fucking horrible. It's it's incredibly it's it's grotesque and and kind of gory in a way that um, the old ones you know the, our our home alones were not. Yeah. I mean you know you so can look back on yeah it feels a lot more leering. Then the, even though it tries to it, it tries to do two things at once. On the one hand, it humanizes the invaders. The uh, so whereas Joe Pesci and um, I forget the other guy's name, but those curly, two curly hair Joe, the curly haired guy. Yeah. Uh, while they're just bad guys basically who uh, go in and rob houses at Christmas and never do anything nice. Um, you know, you, you could go back and. I think looking at it, it's like, oh, it's a rich kid beating the fuck out of poor people who are driven to, you know, theft because they have no... <laughs> yeah, that's true. In this mansion, he's got... Yeah, yeah, With all these yeah. James Bond gadgets to his, his disposal. <laughs> yeah. So you could look at that and go, well, yeah, that that's not very good. But it's, it's also, you know, kind of cartoony anyway. But yeah. in this one, they've tried to humanize the, the, the quote-unquote villains, Rob Delaney and uh, Ellie Kemper... Uh, by making them a very nice couple who this this uh the 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 the, the home alone kid I, I don't remember who it is some british kid randomly um has they believe has stolen something from their house they were doing an open house they're in financial difficulty then rob delaney's mom had some doll that had a defect and he looks it up and it turns out that it it's very valuable and it would save their house but this kid who they got in an argument with when he visited the open... It's kind of complicated. Uh, they believe he stole it from them. So they're tr- the reason they're trying to break into his house is to retrieve this doll. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're, it's far more focused on them than it is on the kid. Um, but the kid does... The, the same sequence of events happens with them trying to break into the house and getting maimed. Um, but it's a lot more... It's a lot more graphic than I remember the other two being. Well, the, the first two. Um, mm-hmm. it ha- there's a bit where Ellie Kemper, who's, you know, sort of lovely. Like she's one of those actresses where everyone just sort of likes her. You know, Kimmy Schmidt and from The Office and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, getting, I think it's like thumbtacks or something, all in her face and like right near her eye. There's one where it's right near her eye and it, there's a very long close-up of her sort of pulling it out. Christ. Uh, <laughs> and uh, getting set on fire and getting... Uh, Rob Delaney gets hit in the balls a lot by by bowling <laughs> balls and all sorts of things, uh, which I know that was all part of the original, but it feels a lot... It feels a lot more leering in, in this one uh, to the point it where that whole like... sequence... I, I, was, I remember I was watching it with my stepson who was about eight or nine at the time and thinking, like, I might have to turn this off. You know, it's... It's quite nasty. It's pretty similar to that bit in August Underground Three. Well, it there sounds go, like so a. It. <laughs> it sounds more like a, the house by the cemetery than Home Alone. <laughs> it's like the Home Alone by the cemetery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have. I think maybe because they think that early '90s kind of cartoony sound effects and the and the kind of you know classical score. Do, 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 do. Yeah, all of that. I think maybe they 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 find a bit lame now. So there's less of that. There's less of the. Um, Less of the, the ambience of it feeling <laughs> silly and cartoonish. It's more like a real film, but with all this kind of horrible stuff. It, it feels pretty misjudged. 
and uh, that's, yeah. it was pretty nasty. I remember the the big innovation of in the first one when I when I was wee and I heard like my cousins talking about what they were most what they came away with was that your man gets hit in the face with an iron and mm. the mark stays on his face yeah. <laughs> the whole way through. it doesn't go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Grant, I haven't really watched those film the, the original to uh, not the whole way. I mean, my stepson's been watching them over and over again, but I haven't sat down and watched them for a long time. But um, yeah, I remember being, you know, like them sort of putting their heads in toilets and, uh, you know, it, it's it's silly, but you also don't feel, could, could, they might as well be, you know, boogeymen because they, they don't, they haven't been humanized at all. Whereas in this one, it's like, well, first we'll spend the first half of the movie humanizing them. And, you know, they are a family who are in financial trouble. And then let's watch them be tortured by this, by this, uh, by this fat kid with a ton of money. And um, then, <laughs> but then we'll we'll make it all nice again at the ending, which which they do. Um, yeah, I don't know. it was it was pretty awkward to me. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I sent, sent a very odd message, I think, <laughs> if if at all. <laughs> yeah, whereas the message of Home Alone is, you know. Actually, yeah, there's not much of a message there either. No. Be grateful that your family are here, even if they suck. Yeah. Yeah. Which? Just be happy you have a mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Even if some of your some of your extended family are annoying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I haven't I haven't seen that, but actually no, I I will. <laughs> it's worth it's worth a watch. You know, along the same lines of like Terrifier too. Um, mm. <laughs> In the same way that Terrified 2 is a bit a bit more nasty than other horror films we've been used to, Home, Home Sweet Home Alone is a bit more nasty than family films you're used to. Right, okay. Um, and I don't think it realizes quite how nasty it is. I think they kind of, yeah, I think they overshot a little bit. Well, just on, on Terrifier and Damien and 2, uh, mm. that's actually something uh, The Omen 2. Damien, the Omen too, uh, has a has a wintry feel. Uh, partly maybe because it, it was on TV a lot when I was wee, and also it's got the scene. Have, have you seen the Omen too? Yeah, long, long time ago. Though. I don't well, remember a, it as well as the third one. Weirdly, of the of the different um, deaths that happen, one of them is they're out on a frozen lake, uh, mm. and Damien's cousin relation something. He falls under the ice. <clears throat> the ice breaks and he gets underneath. And then there's a scene where Damien is seemingly making it so that he can't find the way back up. Um, and that, that always that, that, that's one of those films where it's, it feels cold uh, and uh, and also I guess comforting in its way. Um, and I think well that 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 feels quite uh, festive. Even though the Omen Three is the one that has the actual slaughter of the innocents in. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, right. But, but yeah, because well, I guess it goes back to that thing of like what 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 makes it um, feel wintry, and it's not just so. For example, the thing does not feel like a wintry film to me. It's just a film that takes place somewhere that's cold all the time. Mm. Um, but the fog does feel right. Um, and maybe that's because it's got all the elements at play. It's this isolated community. It starts with a kind of campfire ghost story. Um, uh, 
and there's a lot of fog and mist. Yeah. So so it's got all the stuff. Um, so of the of the John Carpenter um, uh, things that the one you you tend to hear mentioned is the thing for this time of year. But mm. the, to my mind, the fog is much more because it's ghosts and it's, it's yeah. So so. Well, well, I suppose that's another thing. To, I, I didn't really consider this, but since what seems to define a Christmas spook to you is is a kind of a kind of gloomy atmosphere with uh, mm-hmm. yeah fog, fog and such. And now I'm thinking about I'm thinking about what my Christmas day was like in in here in California, where a lot of movies are made. It, it, it was 80 degrees Fahrenheit out, sunny, blue skies. So maybe that's partly the reason we don't really do the Christmas ghost stories out here. Um, Possibly, then, you don't have the... Then, yeah, in the US, it's, it's one of two things. It's either weirdly sunny, and you all laugh about how it's Christmas Day, but the sun's out. Or yeah. it's you're snowed in because there's been, you know, a horrible, like, what do they call it? Like a ballistic storm or something like that. So mm-hmm. everything's just white, and... And that's it. But there isn't much in between. There isn't much of the, just that kind of cozy, cozy chill. Yeah. Um, or, or gloomy chill. For that matter, uh, you know what, what, what really isn't a very Christmassy story at all? What? The, 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 the Christmas story. The, <laughs> the nativity. They're out in the desert yeah. in the Middle East, uh, you know, with, with a bunch of, uh, you know, barnyard animals around. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't. It's not very Christmassy. One dramatization. Oh, you hear them now. They're saying that even the birth of our Lord isn't Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) They they can't even mention donkeys. You can't even mention a donkey. (laughs) Unless it's been prepared halal. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) There's a good donkey in um, Jesus of Nazareth in the nativity bit. That's the one sort of wintry bit that feel bit, bit that feels wintry is there's a shot of donkey. Was that the bit nice with the donkey? Ha- the donkey has an erection. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the nativity scene that, that I think is is really good of the of the Jesus he wants is the one in the greatest story ever told, uh, mm. which it just looks beautiful. It, it, Isn't it's, that the it's one got, with the, the painted backdrop? It, it, it doesn't look. It, yeah, it's it's like it it's it looks less like a stable and more like a sort of uh, huge cavern of some kind. Um, oh, okay. But it manages to do a, a few wee Christmassy things, like um, like it has shots of people looking in the window, and the window's all warm and glowing on them, even though it's a, you know <laughs> if they're looking <laughs> into it. And it's also kind of creepy because you've got your man saying, um, you know, t- telling Herod about. You know, the, 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 a child, a child has been born. They must die, and all this kind of mm. stuff. Uh, and for a while, it looks like his eyes are sewn together. They're not. It's just whatever way his necklace. So yeah. that's good. But my favorite um, nativity scene is in is in a film called Jesus. Their film, um, which I only got to see a couple of years ago, uh, but I had been looking for for since I was since I first read about it in a tiny bit in a magazine somewhere when I was at school. Um, it's a brilliant, really funny, made-for-nothing uh, film. Jörg Butgerite has a sequence in it, um, but it was put together by uh, by uh, a guy, Michael Brintrup. Brintrup. Um, well, the Jörg Butgerite uh, one is probably where I'm thinking of the donkey with the erection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of such things uh, in Jesus, their film. Um, so it's all these different segments 
mostly uh, handled by different people, but with Michael Brintrup um, overseeing them all. And it's extremely funny, but the the, <laughs> the 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 bit with Mary starts with her on bed, and she's reading the Bible. <laughs> she's reading a bit about Mary. <laughs> and then it pulls back, and we see that also in the room with her is a fucking huge... No, like, like kind of like a fastbender's corral, like you know, it's like this big massive thing. And she's sitting there, and it's there. And then Brintrup himself appears on the bed as an angel with a big cardboard sign that says like "He'll marry" or something, and he's shaking it, and he's like, a, "You know, you will, you will bear a son that, or you will have a, you know, you you will you will give birth to a son, and you will desire him. Oh, I mean, you, you will bear him. <laughs> you will desire. Nice. There's that that that." And then it has a shot of him as Jesus in the womb, fully grown, with his like nineteen eighties kind of uh, new way of haircut. Uh, it's, it's, it's astonishing. It sounds a bit try hard and edge lordy, but it doesn't come across <laughs> like that. It just comes across really funny. Um, is it is it Christmassy? Well, there's a scene where they do <laughs> when they do the um, the miracle, as they call it, the miracle of the loaves. Uh, it's a shot of Brintrup <laughs> in a modern day street at a market stall with a toaster <laughs> and he's sitting making toast and kind of giving it to people and as he's doing so do they know it's Christmas by Band-Aid is playing in the side oh show. really <laughs> yes. oh Which is wow probably I why it's so hard that. to get because I'd imagine they struggled with the rights <laughs> actually that's something that might be worth mentioning also uh, with our US versus UK UK is creepy US is saccharine um, the music we listen to now, granted, in the UK we hit, we have all and more of the the kind of terrible Christmas songs, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. But Band Aid mercifully is not known out here. Oh, really? You don't hear Band Aid. No, you, you don't hear the world. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but not at Christmas time. I don't think. Um, so we have yeah we have terrible Christmas songs in the UK. We have the X Factor sim- single every year as well, mm-hmm. uh, but. We also have uh, there's more of an emphasis on the the Christmas hymns, like the uh, so the King's College choir concert yes. is heard every year. Now that's all creepy to me. That that all yes. fits into the the kind of creepy aesthetic, which you don't really have here with Mariah Carey or whatever. That's true. And that, I mean, Mr. James was was part of that college as well. So I mean, yeah. So that's. Um, yeah, yeah no, he, no, he was I, the one I've... telling them, go, go, can you make it a bit scarier? Please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's throw in some lyrics about uh, revelations. You know, why not? <laughs> I, I like I like the cattle. Could we say them backwards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, but that is all quite, cre- the, you know, eerie. Sound. Yeah, again, it's antiquity, I suppose. It, it is. Makes it I feel suppose a bit there's not. More. America doesn't have that. Uh, that same tradition. I mean, if you're going back, you're talking about expansion and exploration and genocide <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. You're, you know, you don't have the same history of kind of, um, you know, nobody's finding dusty old manuscripts from, um, you know, 600 years before or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I suppose there's, yeah, there is that. Um, Unless you should, live in the Amateurville house, in which case, you know, the Indians have <laughs> set up shop in the basement. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that might that might be part of it, uh, the kind of Christmas sound, the sound of. Yeah, um, I, I always found the Christmas hymns quite scary. Well, they, they are they're <laughs> eerie. Uh, they are. And actually, it doesn't yeah. um, Lost Hearts as choir children of the damned. Yes, I, I are they choir children? Maybe 
I'm not sure. One of them has big long fingers. Yes. <laughs> Which, Which is, is no Christmas. Christmas for a heart, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I may have no heart, but my fingers are awfully long. But yeah, um, the, 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 the Christmas music, I mean, the, 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 although now there seems to have been a sort of turn against it, but it used to be the case that people would say, you know, there's almost a diehard debate about fairy tale in New York, and whether it's a Christmas song or it's just a song that happens to be about Christmas. Um, mm. But I was thinking about it, even and it, even it has that kind of Christmas carol, Christmas past, present, future thing going on. Um, it does. Doesn't, Sh- you know, Shane McGowan himself says it's not a Christmas song. Yes, but, but he, he's also um, not to be trusted about anything. No, he says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Christmas song to me, but that's also one that hasn't um, made it out here really so much. Really? You don't hear it, no. Whereas in England, you can't avoid it. Yeah, it's from what it's, I remember. Yeah, it's everywhere. Um, uh, and of course, there's there's the the issue surrounding the language that it uses. Ah, um, uh, yeah, you can't even say. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, you know, the other day, even just, uh, this is anecdotal, but it's also true that on the radio I was hearing people saying things like that. And not 10 minutes before, Fairy Tale in New York had been on and it wasn't it, censored. In all its glory. Yeah. I even say that in case it offends a queer. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, actually, I don't think that should be. I, I think I know. I mean, the, the, the album's there. The, the, everyone knows the song inside out uh, mm. so really it won't make my Christmas any different at all hearing um, the word faggot but it might make someone else's Christmas really fucking shit so maybe yeah you know. but but also then by you know by having a song that you know is going to be played endlessly and then having some really awkward uh, censorship some, that might then yeah. make people it just draws more attention to, than anything well, else well it does you know? and I suppose there's well, yeah, that's true. It's that Louis C.K. thing about you're making me say it in my head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And well, also, well, Louis C.K. would say you're making like him do a lot of things. <laughs> yes. Less said about head than Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, Ronan Keating did a, of Boys Own Fame, uh, did a, a version of it where he, the lyrics went, um, you're cheap and you're haggard. You scumbag, you maggot, you're cheap and you're haggard. And actually, the the, the, the demo version with Cotter Reardon doing the vocals that Kirsten McCall would come to do um, mm. doesn't have that word in. Um, but it has other words. It, so it has a line about where she sings, um, I ain't even been fucked since last Christmas Day. Yeah, that's uh, right. I remember that. From but the it demo, doesn't have yeah. the bit about you scumbag, you maggot, you cheap. It might have scumbag and maggot, but it doesn't have the rhyme faggot. I can't remember what it does have, but it's, it doesn't have that. Um, so it's, you know, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, gr- grimmer, grimmer comforts Christmas. Um, well, just one, just before we leave <laughs> altogether, what I was thinking was uh, the nativity, as I said, doesn't feel Christmassy necessarily to me. It, it feels it's not, bit, it's rubbish. It's not even Christmas. But the bit that does feel a bit Christmassy is the bit in John. John 20, I think it, John, ah, when, when Jesus comes and says, here I am, and they're all like, oh, so you are, but Thomas says, no, you're not, <laughs> he's like, I am, no, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit Miracle on 34th Street, yeah, that, that feels Christmassy, this, this, 
kind of in. I imagine and it's all frozen. <laughs> they're all huddled together, <laughs> and the door bangs open, and it's the snow outside. And here comes, <laughs> here comes we're, himself. Where um, you heard the jingle of bells, and <laughs> in he comes. And actually, Ravenous had, or yeah, had a because it, it's a lot of fun with uh, Jesus stuff. It's a. Uh, it's slightly, slightly subversive, they would say, <laughs> and it has the reversal of that. So when, because Guy Pierce uh, believes that Robert Carlyle's character is the Wendigo, mm. and then he suddenly shows up in a, in a, what's the word, situation. He shows up where he's not expected, and he's like, "That's him." And people say, "Who?" And he's like, "The scary man. That's him." And so to prove that he's not, he has to take bits off and show that there are no wounds <laughs> that's <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so yeah but yeah uh, I mean, uh, yeah I, I never drew the comparison between that and jesus but yeah i suppose well it, it, <laughs> there's so much jesus chat before that that it's i mean there's a lot of talk about um cannibalism and the sacrament and there's jokes about that and there's jesus mm. on a tea towel thing and uh so i mean it's it's not just that it kind of made it there's too much other Jesus stuff going on for that not to be also part yeah. of it. Uh, but, you know, well, it, it still, it doesn't feel very wintry to me. Well, see, I mean, this, this this proves them all right, though. It's like we try to talk about Christmas horror. We're talking about slashers and people dressed up like Santa and pickles and God knows what. But at the end of the day, we end the conversation by talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> take, take that, Muslims. <laughs> you can't, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> Um, should we, you can't, uh, should you we can't also... even call them the Gospels anymore. You have to call them <laughs> sentences of winter. <laughs> Seasonal sayings of somebody. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I think uh, uh, horror or not, I think England does Christmas. I, I prefer English Christmas to American Christmas. There, there are some things that haven't come out here that I'm, I'm amazed they haven't, just for... You know, America, America likes uh, consumerism, but there are some things like Christmas crackers aren't out here. Oh, really? Yeah, you would think that would be great. Yeah, you know, sell Absolute a little that costs none to yeah. make. Sell for exactly. Much. <laughs> yeah, and explosions. You know, you pull it, pull it open, and it sounds like a gun. You know, um, but no, that hasn't come out here. Mince pies haven't come out here. Um, figgy pudding, forget about it. Yeah, we, we, we don't do anything that good. They, they have a ham for Christmas because they're, they're already full of turkey from Thanksgiving. Well, that's the thing. They have Thanksgiving, don't they? Um, yeah. Because I was thinking... Was, sort of kills the, kills the thunder of Christmas a little bit because it happens right before. Because mm-hmm. so one of the things I was it. thinking yeah. of was that here, uh, Christmas is the one holiday that you absolutely cannot go without noticing. Yeah. So you could, you could easily pass Easter by, Halloween, blah, blah, blah. But you know, Christmas you, you can't. The TV's different. Mm. The streets look different. Everything's like, like it completely takes over everything. And yeah, I was thinking John Lewis there's no other holiday like it. But maybe in America there is because, as far as I know, Thanksgiving does similar things. Well, what happens quite often, I think, is the people don't spend Christmas with their families because they've already done that for Thanksgiving. And you got to remember, right. like people live on other sides of the country quite often, so. You're gonna fly back for Thanksgiving at the end of November. You're not gonna make the same journey again a month later. So, of yeah, quite often you get people who just uh, have have Christmases either by themselves or or with friends. Which I, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I I like the 
the kind of defini- definitiveness of Christmas in England because, first of all, there hasn't been another holiday for a while. You know, Halloween maybe, or Guy Fawkes Night, I suppose. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it feels like the world kind of stops a little bit at Christmas. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. stop here. Um, everything's still open. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't feel quite as quite as special. And it's not spooky. At all. Yeah. Well, maybe, I suppose whenever the... the, the maybe it was um, because in the UK, I suppose it was the Catholic Church. Or what? Not in the UK, but what you had was the Catholic Church trying to trying to make paganism into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the best of my knowledge, but the most of the people who then left for America were not taking Roman Catholicism with them. Um, no. So maybe there was some, I don't know, maybe, maybe Christmas felt, I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know if there's any basis for that at all, but it would make sense if another holiday came in to do for them what Christmas did for the Catholics relative to the pagans, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's... It's kind of interesting, though. The um, so there obviously America is quite a lot more Christian than England, pound for pound. But they can't do nativity plays in school. Ah, oh, you can't fucking do anything now, can you? Christmas. Um, but they can't. They can't because they're that. That's um, not allowed. You're not allowed to have religious discussion in schools. So they don't do nativity plays. Quite a lot of children, including my stepson, who bizarrely identifies as a Christian, even though we don't do any of that, um, he didn't know what Christmas was. Like he mm. knew that you got presents, he knew about Santa, that Santa was there and got presents, but he did not know that it was about the birth of Jesus, even. And that's, that, that, yeah. that's kind of b- baffling to me because. But then, on the other hand, um, my my wife's father is a, a pastor, like a very um, – is he a ba- – he's somewhere in between a, a Baptist and something else. But um, he uh, – when they were growing up, they would celebrate Christmas, but not really. Like, they were very against the commercialization of it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a bit of that going on, too, with, with at least the, the religious angle here. Whereas in England, I think we're all – comfortable enough with what it is and what it's roughly about that, for instance, people who had no religious inclination whatsoever, like myself, would really like the tradition of going to the church to hear yeah. to, uh, to, for, the, for, the, for the mass, for the carol concert, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the hymn, hymn concerts. Not, uh, not hymn, the Finnish band. <laughs> the Christmas <laughs> hymn concert. <laughs> Join me in the- Um... But, it, but I really like that. And then out here, I couldn't find a, a, a carol concert. I couldn't find one. I, I really tried. Um, the closest you have are like either big church services that aren't, that are like, you know, the, the kind of happy, clappy acoustic guitar singing mm. jingle bells, or just very solemn, um, you know, religious services. But there's nothing in between. Whereas I think in England, we, we do a bit of everything and. We're sort of comfortable with that, knowing what it what it's about, but also enjoying the fun of it. Yeah, but a, I think the pageantry, the pageantry, yeah. yeah, yeah, which I think is there's kind of a, a big divide uh, here, so you don't really get the best of either, um, and well, certainly you of, don't get you don't get the spookiness, which I like. No, because I think you need you need one for the other. I think to, for yeah to work properly. Um, yeah, 
It feels like I, I, I kind of agree with the, the American Christians when when they say that it, it has just become a commercial thing. Like, discovering that my stepson didn't even know that it was meant, meant to be about Jesus being born, didn't know mm-hmm. that story at all. Like, didn't know anything about the three wise men, the the... The, the 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 no room left at the inn, the stable, the dung, none of that. Didn't know, it. Mm-hmm. and it's just not taught. So so I'm like, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I I understand where they're coming from, but I'm also not here being like, oh, I can't even do Christmas now. Yeah, and I suppose as well. There's a there's a there's a like, I mean, all the, like the films that we're talking about that are all kind of um, you know, you've got it wrong. You've got you've got the season wrong. You know, the reason mm. for the season and all that business. Um, even yeah. if they're not. Although I wouldn't say Krampus is trying to tell you you forgot about Jesus, but it's saying you forgot something important. Um, yeah, but they don't mention Jesus in no. Miracle on 34th Street either. It's You've forgotten about Santa. Yeah. <laughs> so you would think there must be a point where, like, you, every year you, you have these people uh, very vocal, you know, well, no, we've forgotten or, you know, this isn't Christmas. This is something else. This is, you're not doing Christmas. You're doing this other thing. And there must be a point where if it has done the thing it's doing for long enough, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is now, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, um, which, which I think is fair enough. And I, I, I think that's why everyone, well, you know, most people, not everyone celebrates Christmas, even if they're not, not religious. It's because it's just a, it's more of a cultural thing. And as with any cultural things, they shift along with whatever culture's doing. Um, yeah. It's, and yeah. it's... And, and also we give, I mean, the people who say you can't say this or that, we give them space uh, on discussions and talk shows to say about how we've forgotten that. But we don't do the same <laughs> yeah. for the people who say we've forgotten about the winter solstice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, 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 that, you have just a, as much right as anyone else to be saying you've you've got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny idea, isn't it? The, the you know, pagans complaining out there, oh, going on about Jesus now, I can't even mention Gaia. Yeah, um... <laughs> But I, but I think, yeah, I, I, I do miss... I, I like that bit of pageantry and that, that kind of... I like retaining that just because it makes things spookier. And mm-hmm. I feel like Christmas should be spooky. <laughs> but, it's, but it's not very spooky out here. Which is a, sure. which is a pity. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's that. So, Merry Christmas, a, a little bit late. Um... Should we talk a little bit about Aaron has done done some good work, whereas I've I've been incredibly lazy over the last uh, last few weeks, or preoccupied with other stuff, trying to make Christmas spooky in my household. You know, I'm putting um, I, I brought in the Christmas pickle, the the thing about the story where Saint Nicholas uh, rescued some children who've been brined by a butcher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> brought that in. I've been dressing up in a sheet, uh, you know, trying to chase the chase the kids around, like whistling, "I'll come to you." I've, I've been trying. Making them watch You've been Krampus. getting them a postgraduate degree yeah. in the in the early twentieth century. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to keep it alive. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, but while while I've been doing all of that, you've uh, you come up with um, with some stuff for us to talk about in in the next year. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so just, just give a. Do you want to give a? I've got it up here. You want to give a quick rundown of things that I've agreed to okay. all of it because why not? Um, so we're gonna do right, we're gonna do something on Gaspar Noe. Yes. Uh, so the, or, the idea was to have one. Um, if it's if there's enough for for two episodes, and there is, but uh, I was thinking it would be 
a thing to maybe think about irreversible in the time that it came out and other things that were going on with sort of extreme uh, art house kind of films at that time and the new mm-hmm. French extremity and all that stuff. Um, but also with No Way, because after Enter the Void, I think we both agree there is a huge... And actually, was Destricted before Enter the Void? Yes, it was. Yeah, so that was awful. Uh, yes. Uh, and Enter the Void was not awful. And then everything else was. Until recently. And then Vortex suddenly, wasn't. Yeah, he surprised us <laughs> by showing that actually he does know how to do something good still. Um, <laughs> and it did, uh, so, we're, so, so that would be a thing. And Destricted itself is... Uh, although I haven't seen it in many years, but I do remember the strange sensation because Gaspar Noy... Um, is someone who I thought was a very, very good filmmaker, and yet he had made this absolute tripe. <laughs> yeah. As uh, Laurie Clark is someone whose films I detest. I think he's a leery, creepy old bastard. Uh, and yet his installment in the Destricted film was brilliant. Um, it was quite good. So, so um, was that. Yeah, so you suggested maybe we'd do a second episode, make it a two-parter about Gaspar Noe and all of that, and then the second part to be, well, let's reappraise uh, the, I mean, the, the shit films we're talking about uh, mm-hmm. of his repertoire are that strict se- segment, uh, Love mm-hmm. and uh, Climax. Yes. Uh, and the, the idea of the second part is to say, well, are they still shit? Now that we've seen Vortex and both agreed it's quite good, maybe there's something more in these two films. Yeah. I have a strong suspicion that won't warrant an entire episode because I think for me the answer is probably just going to be yeah no that's still shit yes and I mean I, I cannot imagine going back to love and thinking oh actually it's quite good <laughs> well I was, I was thinking that I was like 40 minutes in I'm really you know unless something miraculous has happened I'm gonna be not too happy that there's still quite a lot of left <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, but anyway that, that's one example um, then you want to do Nightmare on Elm Street 2 slash yeah. Scream Queen My Nightmare on Elm Street uh, yeah. the documentary um, as a really interesting case uh, I mean when I was uh, growing up the, the second Nightmare on Elm Street was always talked about awful you know, terrible stuff um, mm. uh, and one of the reasons that would often be given is remember how people used to describe things as weirdly homoerotic <laughs> like it's weirdly <laughs> yeah. homoerotic <laughs> well this was a textbook example of that um, but the lead fella in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 um, was gay uh, but closeted because at that time you really had to be um, I mean studios were uh, you know we're, we're demanding blood tests when people come on set and things like this um, oh. so and then he made this film and he said that he went to see it <laughs> and he was like oh my god I've oh Jesus Christ this is the gayest thing I've ever seen and I'm right there in the middle of it <laughs> and I'm I've and so there was this whole thing where the film started to um, first of all develop a, a cult following um, with, with queer audiences especially because because it is so very much that but also, the writer of the film insisted that anything of that sort was brought to it by the by the lead actor, Mark, um, I forget his surname. Um, even though it's a film about a very clearly uh, <laughs> effeminate, let's say, young man who's got a girlfriend, 
but he's also got this man inside of him, which is Freddy, who he <laughs> keeps having this very intimate uh, back and forth discussion with. Um, there's a scene where he walks out through the streets to a leather bar where he sees his gym teacher. And then Freddy takes the gym teacher into the toilets and strips him and starts whipping him with leather. Uh, oh, so, wow. I mean, the idea that that was there by accident or it just didn't make sense. But then later the, the writer started to say, well, okay, well, it was, but it was homophobic. That was the point. It was supposed to scare you off. It. <laughs> so, so there's a whole, <laughs> but the, the, the trajectory of the, of the um, lead as outlined in that Scream Queen documentary is, um, it's something. It, that that that. When, when I heard about the documentary being funded, it was it was through Kickstarter initially. Um, I thought, well, it's just going to be about how Nightmare on Elm Street two, you know, had this very, um, I mean, I mean, just subtext, but it's that kind of subtext that's like really, really close to text, um, and then how it was rediscovered. So I thought that's what it would be about, um, but it isn't quite what it's about. It's uh, and it's a incredibly affecting thing. And it's also, it just opens up all sorts of interesting questions about audiences and appropriation and how things that might have been intended to do this thing end up doing the exact opposite for, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, okay. It's, it makes for a, yeah, I, I think I think there's enough. It's, the two of them, you know, I don't think you could do Nightmare on Elm Street 2 without mentioning the documentary. And obviously you couldn't do the documentary without mentioning Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Right. Um, so I'll have to watch both of them. All right. Yes. All right, he's giving me a workload here. <laughs> so um, after that, we've got Acute Misfortune slash Hated, Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies, the uh, Todd Phillips, early early mm-hmm. Todd Phillips documentary. Um, I don't know Acute Misfortune, but I'm, familiar, I'm very familiar with Hated. So uh, what do you want to talk about there? Well, Acute Misfortune is um, it's an Australian film about an artist whose name escapes me but anyway he, he was um it's a it's 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 a it's a based on a on a actual uh, a, a fellow who was writing a book about this artist in real life i can't remember his name um and the artist in question a big part of what he does is to do with how he's i think he's maybe schizophrenic and that sort of thing he's an alcoholic he's 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 a very difficult person. <laughs> so uh, there's this whole, so the film is basically about this young guy with him, um, I, I guess, uh, to write this book about him. Um, and it's, it just, it, it throws up a lot of stuff about these ideas about um, uh, mental illness and creativity and, uh, you know, they, how we buy into those things and, um, the, the, the cliches and what, and the, I guess the real life consequences of of you know the so called tortured artists on everybody that, around them and how mm-hmm. so and I, I guess the Gigi Allen film is the same because a big part of that appeal maybe the whole appeal is the extent to which he is extremely confrontational and unhinged and uh, it's that same sort of thing just in two different um, spheres I suppose so one mm-hmm. of them is to do with art as in gallery art and one of them is to do with punk rock and performance art but um yeah. i think that would be um an interesting sort of a plus that i mean they're, they're just they're really good films <laughs> uh 
Well, Christmas is definitely over. There's nothing Christmassy <laughs> about those, but um, yep, looking forward to that. Then uh, Martyrs and Antichrist together. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not... I mean, except for very broad strokes. Uh, I don't know if I'd put them in the same podcast, but why don't you explain why? Except for them coming out around the same time, both being extreme-ish yeah. artsy horror films. Well, what links them in my mind is I, <clears throat> I see Martyrs as very much a film about the desire to see women suffer and that there's something different about that if they do it right. Um, I mean, that's without wanting to spoil too much. That's uh. that's what happens in Martyrs. Um, there's the the sort of the the matriarch body has this kind of book of women at the point of of dying, I suppose. Um, oh, I see what you get. And there's something going on with them that they're trying to recreate in other women. Um, and then an Antichrist, the you know, and antagonist, is obsessed with genocide. And stuff, yes, yeah. and it's made by a man who spent his career shoving a camera as far into the face of suffering women as he could right. and then started kind of trolling us with the idea so mm. that in some ways Antichrist is impossible in some ways you, you could be angry about it the way you might be angry about breaking the waves if you are angry about it mm. but in another way you can't because the whole time he's shoving his fingers at you you know and he's like oh, oh. and it's, it's it's full of these kind of trolling uh, it's so yeah, so, so to okay. my mind, Martyrs is about something that Antichrist is an expression of. So it is the thing that Martyrs is asking questions about. Um, it's interesting though also because um, when you say I wrote about Martyrs quite a lot and presented on it and I still cannot pronounce the director's name. Uh, Pascal Lachier? Yeah, something like that. So he went on to make something like um, Incident in a Ghostland. Hmm. Which is which he maimed someone, yeah, and there's uh, something where he injured, badly injured or disfigured yeah, an actress uh, and through a glass door or something like that, something like that. Yeah, so he's kind of cancelled now. Well, it's, it's, it wasn't even so much that it was cancelled; it was uh, it was doing the thing that martyrs seemed to be asking questions about to the extent yeah. that the only purpose it served was to make people who really like martyrs feel like idiots. <laughs> 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 so Lars von Trier wins. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Come and see is the next one. I, I think that's yeah. a that's a good one to do. But you you also extrapolated to maybe kids in bad situations in general. Yeah. Well, it, it, well, first of all, I mean, it ticks all the boxes as a, as a thing for grimmer comforts to be grimly comforted by. Oh, um, it's incredibly grim. Not especially comforting. No, but uh, I, it came to my mind because I was watching a film from 2019 called uh, County Lines, which is a British film about a young, a 14-year-old fella who is pulled into what's known as County Lines um, drug dealing, I suppose, where children are sort of picked to, to do a job, which is to take the stuff from this place, this city, whatever, to somewhere far away. Um, and it follows one young guy doing that. But as it proceeds, it starts to look a lot like common sea. And then I read a review afterwards, um, Mark Caramel's review for The Observer, and he said that the director actually cited common sea as a... And, I mean, that may, you can come and see 
but that is very obvious. <laughs> so, so I just put that film in my head, and I hadn't seen it in a while, and I thought, because that's another one that kind of developed it. For a long time, you didn't really hear anyone talking about it. It popped up when Criterion of, got it or something? Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly it would appear on lists somewhere. Mm. You know, yeah, no, no, exa- I had never heard of it until, yeah, probably the last 10 years or so. Um, yeah, similar. Uh, in that one, it might also be worth talking about In a Glass Cage, if you ever I saw was, that. I have, but I didn't, I didn't want to write it in, a, <laughs> in an email. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's still, it's, it's banned over here still for... Um, Is it? Yeah, well, it doesn't, it never got a certificate, I don't know, at the time. Oh, well, maybe it has I didn't since. know that. I don't think you're banned from saying the words in a glass cage, though. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, anyway, I mean, that that sort of fits in with a discussion about come and see, I suppose. Um, it doesn't, uh, actually, Marty G has talked about that film, actually. In a glass cage? Yeah, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's put it as, like, dirty, one of his Dirty old bollocks. Dirty old her. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Mondo Kane and all that it gave mm-hmm. wave to, so the, the Mondo documentary. So oh, you're, you're not going to make me watch those, are you? Well, the thing about... <laughs> <laughs> I've seen one well, or two of them. If there was anything um, grisly, well, well, there is grisly, but if, if, <laughs> if there was anything of the sort of stuff we talked about in the Terrifier, or no, sorry, in the introduction episode, um, then I wouldn't have recommended it at all uh, or, or suggested it. But... I mean, I'm going to watch it again before, if we do that, I'm going to watch it first, to be absolutely sure, but to the best of my <laughs> I think Mondo Kane number two is the first one to have um, they stage, you know, the famous Burning Monk protest. Mm. Um, they staged that and included it in Mondo Kane number two. Um, and it oh, looks, boy. I mean, it, you, if you didn't know any different, you would assume it was actually there, um, right. but it wasn't. It was, But the first one doesn't have that sort of stuff. It has a it has a sequence in a well what the the voiceover tells us is that it's a, a house for the dying in a in an east asian country i can't remember where it is but there are people who are elderly or ill who we see um but the thing about it is you can't really trust very much of what the voiceover tells you about anything um because because <laughs> like the, the lies and the fabrications are sometimes like unbelievably uh, you you can't always trust you can't always as far as documentaries go um, it does a lot of stuff that you would assume a documentary would not do (laughs) Uh, so if you see a shot of a tree and there's all fish up in the tree when the documentary is telling you in voiceover that this is because the the sea is so polluted that the fish have actually come out onto the land and climbed trees to get away from it. Uh, you, were, you were thinking, I don't know if I if I buy that or not. Spill out the panorama spaghetti tree. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Except okay. it's, so yeah, but but there is a lot of animal because that's one of the things. So you couldn't, so they didn't weren't able to show um, human stuff, but they could show a lot of animal footage. So you get oh, lots fun. of. Lots of well, animal yeah. death and yeah, wonderful. Yeah, there's shots of like um, uh, geese being or ducks being force fed, geese being force fed, and mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, you know, sort of bull fights and running of the bulls and all this sort of stuff. Um, uh, so, so there's some stuff in that line. Um, okay. 
Well, it's such a shame that, I'm, well, luckily it'll be next year because this year I spent some time with Mary and Dora crushing newts, <laughs> stamping on snails and slump. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I'm all I'm all tapped out on needless animal cruelty um, for this year. Mice. Yeah, <laughs> he may as well have, yeah. Um, but hopefully by yeah by 2023 I'll be refreshed and be more than raring to go to see a badger being bothered or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's some of the stuff you got to look forward to. We also had a, we have a bunch of other stuff that we talked about that we haven't got around to yet. Yeah, um, we've. Um, I can't remember what any of them were. There was somewhere I'm like, oh no, we'll save that. We'll save that for when we fit the big time. Look, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> then we'll Lots build them away. Loads of chaos. We have. Yeah, we should probably do that sooner rather than later. That feels relatively Christmassy. It's wintry anyway. Yes, it's the time of year whenever. Um, I like to go out walking with um, Emperor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that's, that's a good January one, I think. That's a good New Year's one. Lords of Chaos. So. Black Metal. We don't want it to be... We don't want to be talking about it. Welcome in the spring, I don't think. No, I know, actually, well, nor, no time nor, do we, nor do we want to be talking about it uh, during the time of our Lord and Saviour's birth, because I think that would be disrespectful. <laughs> so it's a good thing we didn't talk about it before or around Christmas time. Oh, yeah. That's true. They're talking about Satan at Christmas. You can say Satan all you like, but you can't say, you can't say Jehovah. Anyway, <laughs> you can't say Yahweh. You can just anyway. Um, all right, I, I think that's about done. It. I have to get going anyway. So, yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to add about Christmas and spookiness? I, so. I think that's. Um, if you want to make yeah. Christmas special for your family, go put on a sheet. Put on a sheet. Put on uh, a sheet, ring a bell, and walk around chasing them with a pickle. And check your privilege. <laughs> check your privilege as well. Yeah. <laughs> Pipe bomb your local Starbucks for having a not having a red cup anymore, or whatever it is. Well, again, that, well, actually, that's... What was I mean, that? It was like they have a green cup anyway. Yes. But, but that's actually a point where the Lords of Chaos lads do crossover quite neatly because they were also very uh, mm. annoyed by With the commercialization commercialization yeah McDonald's yeah, they, 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 they didn't like uh, McDonald's so well and again I'm not sure if this story is true but Varg boasted that he that he shot a McDonald's yes he shot it <laughs> he shot it <laughs> So yeah, we drove up in my in my car and I got my shotgun out and I shot the McDonald's <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> and they kicked the Gatorade. <laughs> oh, Lordy, yeah, he's great. He's great. Well, we have a whole episode on him. You got that to look forward to. Bargain is. Well, he, he's taken to wearing a, a Santa Claus hat lately. I don't know if you if you know about that. I'm not joking. <laughs> because well, I um, suppose he, he's trying to. Well, it goes back to rare exports and all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he likes he likes Christmas because he, he likes um, whatever he thinks Saint Nicholas was based on, or, or the the pagan the the Norse tradition that followed Saint Nicholas that created the Santa hat. Mm-hmm. He's fond of that. He's fond of that. It's, yeah. Yes. But I don't know if he's going around saying, "But you you know you can't even mention Christmas now." <laughs> He has everything needed, everything he needs to be like one of those tedious kind of Christian fundamentalists, except yeah. for the Christian part. I bet he's kind of regretting 
that in well, you know, his with, teenage I mean, years he went so anti-Christian because he would fit in very well. Well, it's like Ricky Gervais. I mean, it's it's like there's one... It, Ricky Gervais keeps repeating that Richard Dawkins thing about how you're as much of an atheist as he is. It's just that he believes in one less. But yeah. the other way of looking at that is Ricky Gervais is as much a fundamentalist Christian as they are. It's just they believe in one more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, uh, I don't... Uh, it's a shame we can't... Do you think it would be a bit of a stretch to get Derek in on an episode? No. I think that's... Is I don't that, think it would be a stretch anything. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it fits in quite nicely. Yeah, okay, well, maybe we'll do a Derek, a Derek special. Derek the special. As, Derek the special. They, well, we could have talked about that. They did a Christmas special, although it had nothing to do with Christmas whatsoever. It was just released at Christmas time. Because it was released on December 23rd, but I don't think Christmas is in it. Or is it? <laughs> I thought from the trailers, it seemed as though... There was going to be a baby born on Christmas Day, and it was going to be Baby Derek. Like it was, it was going to be because they, they do, they do more birth Christmas to than there is in. There's more Christmas in Derek than there is in Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I seem to remember there being a bit where a priest comes to the to the care home, and and Derek, the 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 simple wisdom of Derek, c- convinces this priest that there is no God. Merry, <laughs> and so the priest leaves. Merry Christmas. That reminds me, actually. I don't know why it reminds me. Maybe because Ricky Gervais is so disingenuous. But I remember when I was wee, my friend telling me that on Christmas Eve, if you've never told a lie, ever, like Derek, if you've never told a lie, you can hear the animals talking about Jesus being born. (laughs) But but only if you've never told a lie. So I don't know that anyone has ever been able to hear this. Is that a thing? Is that? Well, I never heard anyone else saying it, but that's what he told me. Strange, some of these things that pop up, and you're like, "Wait, is that something that anyone actually believes?" Anyway, all right, also, I, I better, I better get going, that. unfortunately. But um, well, it's worth throwing in at the very end that we talked about Mr. James and we talked about Jesus. But one of the things that Mr. James was first known for was translating the apocryphal, some of the apocryphal gospels. So, is that right? If you look up, say, the infancy gospel of Thomas, um, you'll probably find his. Um, King James translation before oh, you really? find any other. Oh, I don't know. And the last thing is a just sort of recommendation of a thing. You know, LibriVox were the free audiobooks. Um, mm. There's a there's a I think Peter Yeardsley is the guy's name because I heard it so often. Ghost stories of an antiquary, like, oh, yeah. read by Peter Yeardsley. That's brilliant. Like a, all loads of books on there are terrible. Um, <laughs> but that reading of the M R James stuff by that guy Peter Yeardsley or Beardsley or something like that. That's worth listening to at this time. Peter Weirdsley, because uh, uh, you're going to get some weird stories in uh, <laughs> this cuffs collection for Christmas. Um, all right. Well, that has to be it. Merry Christmas to all of you, belated, and uh, yeah. a happy new year. And you can look forward to more uh, of us. If you're out slaughtering innocents, um, wrap up warm. <laughs> if you're out slaughtering innocents, be sure to check Egypt. You missed him. <laughs> <laughs> and before away. you go following too many stars make sure they are stars first of all <laughs> not, <laughs> not satellites or airplanes Christmas drones <laughs> <laughs> God, you can't even have a real star anymore alright <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm.